Hi, Jeff. Hey, Bob. How are you? You know I'm doing all right. It's Friday. It's Is a good it? day. TGIF, Jeff. That's right, 90s, 90s rules. That nope. makes me think of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, mm-hmm. which we is were, coming back, I guess. We were we were talking about this before, how uh, the TGIF as a concept was a very 90s thing, yes. where it's like, you know, working through the week. You weekend. had the restaurant. Yeah. You had the, uh, was that ABC that had TGIF? Yeah, it was ABC, ABC Family, right? Yep. Well, no, it was ABC, ABC Family. Family. I thought it was, it was just ABC. straight up ABC. It was just ABC at the time. Yeah, Family Matters. ABC Family didn't exist when TJF was a thing. right i'm trying Full to house why? family members step by step uh uh was fresh prince part of TJF? possibly why do i think of sabrina the tj witch was maybe that, that maybe maybe maybe, maybe that was later maybe TJF? yeah because yeah. like did it go through lineup changes like uh must see thursday went through changes yes because remember like must see thursday oh, had like change yeah mm-hmm. yeah Started out with like Seinfeld and Friends, and then it's like Mad About uh, You, Mad About You. Some of those failed ones, like The Single Guy. Then we had The Golden Air, The Thirty Rock, The Office. Yeah, yeah. Was that must see? Oh, yeah, that was still must see. They were still calling it that. They were still like through The Office, through everything, because like The Office went on for a long time, right? But that was like the new anchor after Seinfeld. I feel like was like we need we need something else to. To keep this spot funny i also remember an ad campaign that was like if you haven't seen it it's new to you and like i think that might have been like the summer lineup thing where it's like we're gonna well, have our yeah. summer reruns that's if you like haven't seen it it's new to you mean wait this was on thursday new <laughs> i mean i mean this was on nbc i believe it was on yeah on nbc yeah it's a bad catchphrase. There's going to be like a TV historian in two decades that goes through the 90s. I mean, there's probably already a book about yeah, NBC TV. Absolutely. But it's going to just continue to be a thing. Mm-hmm. We're going to see more books about this. <laughs> yeah. We're going to remember, oh yeah, I'm mad about you. That show from my childhood. <laughs> yeah. But we're not here to talk about must-see TV. Really? This no. isn't the Mad About You podcast? Not what anymore. Fuck? We had a lineup change. Paul Reiser? We'll call you back. I've never even seen that about you. <laughs> I have no concept of what it is. Helen Hunt, come is back next week. Is there a blonde week. in it? There's Helen a blonde. Hunt. Okay. Yeah. Wait, is it a movie? Or no, it's, it's a, a TV, TV show. It's on a TV show? It yeah. also wow. exists. Like, that was how she got her start. Yeah. No, well, wow. not maybe her start, her start. Pre- but like, but that was like, movie? That, was, that was her steady paycheck for a very long hmm. time was mm-hmm. Mad About You. And certainly Paul Reiser's steady paycheck. And how they became household names. Yeah. Um, but no, we're here to talk with our friend Kate today Hi. about Blade Runner 2049. 2049. Yeah, I feel like you should just have uh, Hans Zimmer like sleeping on a big cord at that moment. Dun. Yeah. <laughs> Man, Hans Zimmer. Man, we could start with the music. We could. You want to start with the music? <laughs> sure. Uh, the music... I, I've been thinking about Hans Zimmer a lot lately. Yeah. Because there was that Guardian piece where the, they, I don't know, I'd never thought much about Hans Zimmer, but mm. this Guardian piece was like, he's, he's a rock star. Like, he played Coachella oh. and, like, did all this shit. And he played Coachella? Yes. However, Weird. all of his songs sound the same. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's always just these long, loud, yeah. too loud, almost, resounding chords that, like, distract me almost more than anything. Yeah. And, like... If you play a couple back to back, they are like almost indistinguishable from one another. He can play some oppressive chords. I would yeah. agree with that. I mean, the dude's obviously impressive. But there, it's, there's it's, some yeah. that are better than others. See the dude that does Christopher Nolan music too. Yeah, yeah. he does everything. Oh, God, he did it? like 
here though it did not bother me as much like i think there are movies where i'm just like what movie did it really bother me interstellar i think it really like drove it in i don't recall the music during interstellar it's i remember forgettable. Being, it's forget it's very forgettable it's just loud <laughs> i remember being very crashy during uh, uh did he do dunkirk he definitely did he did do dunkirk but oh, i don't know but that it was, was like loud it was loud, but it was a different score for him than normal because it was like all time to that ticking hmm. and it was like a little bit more stringsy. Like, I feel like he's got some synth slash electronica stuff that he likes to do normally. Yeah. I guess my 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 it's only takeaway of Hans Zimmer doing the soundtrack is that like they managed to take like a very specific sound from the first movie which was like you know some like smoky jazz yeah oh my to God, make a, a, a noir jazz scene. um i mean that was the whole it was the whole soundtrack but like yeah but like in some scenes with the like the love scene it really sticks out to me but yeah. in other scenes i don't really mind the smoky jazz no i'm much. i'm just i'm just saying like if you wanted to keep it to the style that it was. Yeah, if you wanted to keep so, it the style it was, but they didn't do that at all. Johan, they, John, Johansson. Johan Johansson. Yeah. yeah, he was attached to compose it originally, and then he dropped out. So then they got Hans Zimmer along with Benjamin Walfish to replace jo- Johansson. Yeah. Wait, so Johansson was the was guy from the first dude? one? No. no. Oh. He's, a, he's, he's like an indie life. musician. Like they got him to do it. And then I don't know. Oh, but like the jazz guy is still alive. Like they still could have gotten oh. that guy. I mean, they I re- talked about it. Like I watched a documentary on the original Blade Runner today, and they talked about how much they appreciated that music. I'm surprised yeah. they didn't. Yeah. So yeah. what they did instead was made it sound like everything else. Oh, right. but like the last scene, the very last scene, that's the tears in the rain music. Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Which I appreciated. Yeah. And I don't. But I don't know. Like. I, Inception, I remember the music being really overbearing, but here in this sad dystopia, like droning chords, I was like, yeah, <laughs> this yeah. feels about right. Yeah, I so, would say that like it did it evoke. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't take me mood. out of it. I, yeah. I, I do think Hans Zimmer gets very samey um, yeah. and yeah. crashy. I for mean, sure. I think like if my main adjective for you is loud, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> Rated L for loud. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I remember like really starting to hear about him during his Dark Knight stuff. Hans for, Zimmer? Yeah, for Christopher Nolan. Mm. Like I know he's... Yeah, he's been with Nolan forever. He's oh, he's yeah. done stuff much longer than that. I think, didn't he get a start with Driving Miss Daisy? I oh, I don't say? know. Yeah. I, I do not know. It's That's an interesting start <laughs> for Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like he, he started doing synth stuff and so like... There's no a, more driving Miss Daisies. There's a no, but there's a synth score to Driving Miss Daisy, oh, I think, there? and it's like, Weird. yeah, but it's it sounds very different, you know. It's like yeah. all all dainty and <laughs> '80s, but Not everyone's gonna die, <laughs> right? Exactly. Crisis, right. And a pleasant a pleasant woman is going to be driven in a limo by Morgan Freeman for. And they're gonna learn each other's differences. Exactly. So yeah, that's what's gonna happen, and so you get that kind of music. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, I I like the era of Charl or uh, of John Bryan. Bring back the John Bryan. I would. I think man, John or. Williams mostly when I think of like prolific. 
Sure. Yeah. Yeah. John Williams What's is like John Bryan do like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless oh, Mind. Oh, I love that soundtrack. Okay. Um, it would be interesting because he would he would make it weird a little bit. He would get but, weird, but good weird. I like he, the Twenty Eight yeah. Days Later soundtrack a lot. I forgot who does that. I There's don't. certain soundtracks that are my favorites. That's one of them. Uh, John Bryan also did Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. And hmm. I, I heard, heard Huckabees. Huckabees. Like he's just yeah. Okay. I like he's his music. he's my guy. I am also a big fan of Carter Burwell. He's done all the Coen Brothers films. I, I couldn't name you a, co- a Carter Burwell score. Man, oh man, I can I can spot him a mile away. <laughs> also, Michael <laughs> Andrews. <laughs> what? Michael Andrews, who did Donnie Darko and Me and You and Everyone We Know. Oh. He's, he does good stuff. Uh, Michael Gaiacchino, is that his name? The, oh. the guy, he, he did Lost. Oh. He was like the oh. guy who did the score for Lost for a long time, and then he through J.J. Abrams got pulled into doing films like he did the stuff for Star Trek um, and I Ooh, mean the Star Trek music is good yeah yeah I like it I mean my favorite soundtrack of like any movie is Amelie so oh yeah yeah who is that again I'll Jan Tiersen oh yeah Jan Tiersen yeah um, so I like him also <laughs> Danny Elfman yeah Danny obviously. Elfman yeah he DL. does a weird one sometimes I just see his name attached to something and I'm like Danny Elfman yeah the music for that he does so much I'm trying to think there was a moment recently when I saw a movie I was like really Danny Elfman does John that? John Bryan did the music for The Breakup which was weird. It was like, does that really need a John Bryan score? It's like certain movies, like the Wedding Crashers had a really, really good soundtrack where hmm. they had like a bunch of indie artists and I'm like, oh yeah, wasn't Rilo oh, Kylie and the Weaker yeah. Dens on that? And like, that's <laughs> so weird. Cutie, a bunch of I was thinking like, weird good ones. my ideal job would be to be the music supervisor for a major film studio. I mean, I, I would Spotify like playlist for, called like for future movie soundtracks yep. if I ever made some. That's awesome. But like, like composers need to make money too so i get it yeah no like Cash carter that check baby right carter burwell's done some real stinkers but it's like you know what Dude, it's not your movie you have to attach <laughs> the music to it right like, exactly i'd feel more iffy about attaching my name to something if i was acting or directing in it but mm-hmm. it's like yeah ah. you gotta take i mean if the music's good like what if that was a really terrible movie and your music was the only good thing about it that's right. still great yeah that's still fine yeah well and that's still a check that you can cash at the end of the day you know like um your face doesn't show up anywhere so back to the film at hand blade yeah. runner um how'd you guys watch it how did we watch i watched you know. it at uh, the New 400 Theater by my house. Yes, that's what you usually go to, isn't yes. it? Well, I, w- I don't know if I usually go to it because they don't they have a limited selection. They only have four screens. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes they try to go towards like the most... Uh, popular? Most popular, like the, the l- widest common denominator. Mm-hmm. And so um, I don't always want to see those. I think my last movie I saw there was Girls Trip, which was great. Oh, yeah, that was good. I did mm-hmm. see that there. Um, a lot of times I'll go to Evanston. Yeah. Yeah. I like the Evanston yeah. Theater. Especially now that I'm up at Granville, that's the easiest one to get to. Mm-hmm. And that's where I saw this. I yeah. saw it up there yeah. with a big tub of popcorn by myself on a Saturday night. That's great. You had a good I old time. I went on the opening night on Thursday and we went to the, what movie theater is it? It's the Regal IMAX. Um, okay. So we went on to the- Western? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Western one. Okay. So we went to that one and I wanted to see it in IMAX. So- how was it in IMAX? How were those visuals in IMAX? You know, I saw some breasts really massive and it was great. <laughs> as big as you can see breasts. You know, so I mean, I that hologram's already so large, but in IMAX, <laughs> really, the patriarchy strikes you down. <laughs> um, no, I think IMAX is 
definitely a good way to see it. Yeah. I, mean, I like the visuals for this movie most of the time. Yeah. I like I the, the I visuals mean, are basically the strongest point <laughs> of the movie. Yeah, I would agree. I think that once you start picking through the, the actual plot. apart when you pick it up. Yeah. Like, I walked out being like, I'm not sure what... I am walking away from and then like my yeah. friend Moisa who I saw it with sent me like a rundown of like her take and I was like oh this doesn't stand up to much scrutiny <laughs> like yeah why like I don't know okay. I'd have to, like, and yet through. I felt like I understood it better than the first one yeah wait okay so what's your guys thirst experience with the thirst blade runner okay because you need to know that to get yeah sure okay. sure yeah so i believe i saw it in high school or college and then i never saw it again and i never like so talked about once. it i only saw it one time and i never really like it never really came up in conversation a lot like it wasn't one of those oft repeated conversation on yeah the regular basis. It, it wasn't one of those like repeated watches okay. and like hotly debated films yep. of my of my youth um, so I didn't have that same experience hmm. that you had. So, yeah, that's surprising. Um, okay. So going into it, I had no real investment in it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I, it wasn't so important much better if for you me. Don't have an investment in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't. I didn't. There. The stakes were very low for me to to see the movie. So like. Sure. I don't know. That's good. Jeff, what is I yours? came to it even later than you did. I like. Which yeah, is surprising. Such movie buffs and like Blade Runner is such a inspirational film to a lot of movies. Yeah, but I, I still haven't seen The Godfather, so it's it's an interesting one. It's it's I think it's one of those ones. There's a set of movies and it gets smaller and smaller, but like you hear that it's good all the time, and you just haven't gotten around to it. Well, a little bit you haven't gotten around to it, and after a while you're like, okay. Like, I know, I get it. This yeah. is, like, one of the great films. And you... Oh, like, like Citizen Kane. Because <laughs> after enough dudes told me to watch that, I just almost just didn't want to. Right, exactly. It's just like... Um, and so, like, I had seen, you know, the visuals from Blade Runner. and yeah, you felt, felt like inspiration. Right, and so, like, I felt like I understood what the big deal was <laughs> about it. Um, and then finally watched it not that long ago really I, I, for yeah. the first time for the first time i watched it at like age 30 i want to say wait what cut did you guys both watch i watched the final cut that's a good question oh but did i watched the final cut or not? It, it did not have no voiceover over. that i recall Probably. can you even did it have get a unicorn can you even it had get no the, unicorn can you even get the voice? unicorn i don't recall a unicorn at the end well there there's a unicorn? a unicorn in a dream sequence and then he gives him an origami unicorn i remember the origami Okay, maybe you just blinked. If during you, the yeah. yeah, maybe maybe it's I just easy. it's like a blink and miss yeah. kind of scene. Well, but here's the thing: is like when I saw it for the, finally, like I was just like I like it's pretty, but I don't get it. Like I, it did not wow me the way it has wowed a lot of people, and I like I just sort of assumed that it wasn't for me. Um, I mean, I wouldn't assume it's a movie for everyone. There's a reason it like crashed at the box office when it first came out. Like a lot yeah. of people are just like, no. And mm. then that's why I also had so many takes because they made them change their mind on it so many times. Yeah. Like at first it was too abstract. So they're like putting voiceover, literally explaining everything. Right. And like a, a happy romantic. Right. <laughs> and then they the had sunset. to have the happy romantic leaving scene. Yeah. So 
even though Blade Runner, like, okay, when I list my favorite movies and they change a lot, the only two that always would say steady for me would be Clockwork Orange and Blade Runner. Wow. So, because they're just like the most inspiration, like the most influential movies for me growing up, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. so I saw it around 16. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like, so I saw Final Cut. And that's the only, because I, I think it came out in like 2007 or 2000. Yeah. So I was actually probably 17. But, um, so I like never saw the voiceover one. So that's just, I only know of it from my like knowledge of Blade Runner, but I didn't, I feel like I would not like the voiceover one just yeah. from knowing me. And I don't like when things have to be that explained. Wait, like, so I do not vo- recall a voiceover. So, so the, Wait, so the voiceover one, you can even get that version. That's what anymore. I'm saying. Yeah. yeah like you You'd said, need to, I, like find a VHS or something. It would be like a deep cut to try and find <laughs> that. I don't know. So when did the, the one without voiceover come out? They premiered it. I mean, Final Cut came out in 2007. So if I watched this in high school. But there was another one. There were three versions. Okay. Like, there was one in the middle, too. I mean, three, I think. But, like. The director's cut, maybe. And then this is the There was the director's cut, cut, which wasn't even really. I mean, the final cut's the one he wanted. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, when I saw it, finally, I was like, I get it. I get why this Mm -hmm. is, like, for me what it seemed clear was that like you should love this because it's a visual feast right but like i just like the questions too but i'm a, i'm like a sci-fi i just love those kind of questions about like humane and does this make them human and what does it mean to be human and yeah like, what literally separates you from the concept of this creation and like is this evil to do yes yeah <laughs> yeah and yet i felt like i don't know i just i I would need to go back and watch it again. Maybe I didn't I give it enough it's of a, a one chance. Watch thing. Like I don't think I'd like it from just one watch. But I felt like at the time it felt like I feel like they are not exploring the things that like I want explored yeah. and what talked you, about as much as I would like them to talk about it. What did you want explored more? Like what you were talking about, because I love those questions too. In terms of you know what does it mean to be a machine versus a human, mm-hmm. and like it felt like there was a very muddled plot that uh, they were not exploring those questions sufficiently through. Yeah. Yeah. Here's what I will say about that. I think that th- he, they were sort of practicing a kind of storytelling where like they don't come right out and say it. So like you are watching this like hackneyed romance thing happen yeah. while like in the end, like, so he, he is, he is supposed to kill replicants right and what he chooses to do is not kill her because he's like you know what she is worth saving and Rosati doesn't chooses in his final moments to not kill uh so it's like they don't come right out and like explain it but like if you rewatch it a couple times and think about it it's like what what that character chooses to do is believe start to see her as like a a, a person or sure. like a thing. Well, he also starts questioning his own identity, mm-hmm. which is like the long prevailing question was always: Is Deckard a android, a like a replica? Yeah. This is another thing that's funny: is like when I first saw it, I walked out of the viewing being like, "Oh, he was a replicant the whole time," and then yeah. like. <laughs> Rewatching it this time, like I rewatched it before I went to go see this it's one. It's purposefully very ambiguous. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they like, really don't want to answer that question, so which I'm 
actually pretty happy about. I guess that's the thing that was throwing me was that like, I'm like, where was the reveal? Like, wasn't there, I, I remember the, there being a reveal and now I don't think there is. The thing that they tried to do, which tied it more together, was the fact that uh, the unicorn right. was a like dream and then um, he was able to give him like a unicorn like origami figure which meant that he knows about his dreams like he knew about Rachel's dreams that mm-hmm. you're not supposed to know about so, so it's an imprint it was like an implant. I remember a lot memory. writing on so that that was like unicorn. yeah I yeah. mean he did like three uh, three pieces of origami throughout the film which is also makes you which I, I feel like uh, Christopher Nolan lifted from this movie to do Inception where it's like oh the top is spinning and that's how you know mm. it's all oh, in the dream. ending yeah so like okay. I feel like that is one I thing I mean I think Blade Runner is definitely very inspired yeah. like influential on a lot of cinema after oh it. for sure yeah. also like that future cityscape is how every future cityscape looks now yeah totally that movie like yeah. when they did it in uh feckin what was it the ghost in the shell is like this Blech. is a cliche yeah city now because we've seen this in every sci-fi movie since Blade Runner well and that's what I mean by it being like a visual feast like yeah. y- there's so much and where you see it you're like oh CGI so they had to do it all manually in a really right. interesting way so right. that's actually a good that's a good I watched that, a three hour documentary on it today learned all about the effects <laughs> yeah. right and it's like like a whole bunch more from Geiger came from that right uh, oh. HG Geiger HR Geiger yeah HR Geiger yeah HR Geiger thank you um like the the big pyramid I think is an HR Geiger thing interesting they didn't mention that on the documentary but it could be they mentioned Fra- Robin Wright um Lloyd at some point Robin Lloyd Wright uh, the Chicago designer uh, that they like did Frank Lloyd Wright. Frank Lloyd Wright. <laughs> Robin Wright. Yeah, I was. Um, yeah. Okay. Thrown by Robin Actually, Wright. I think I think when I learned that was from the the documentary that you and I Bob saw about uh, uh, Dune. Uh, yeah. Jodorowsky's Dune. Jodorowsky's Dune. Oh yeah, because he was set to do Dune. Right, but the guy <laughs> that he hired to do the the uh, what do you call those Art the direction? storyboard oh. was, was Geiger. And like he borrowed images from the storyboards from D- Jodorowsky's like Dune book to do, to do that Runner? pyramid. Yeah, Interesting. they're like this comes directly. You can see it like when you. Man. Anyway, we're getting into the okay. weeds, but so, yeah, I watched it when I was younger, and nostalgia is like a heavy thing. So like it's one of those things because like when you look at films from when you're younger and you have a deep like emotional attachment to you could look at them now and if you're watching it for the first time you could be like why the fuck did i have a deep emotional attachment to this or you still do but like if you were to watch it for the first time today you might not have that sure i definitely feel that with uh Lost in Translation, like yeah. throughout like the Donnie years, like Darko and stuff. I'm like, yeah, that does Donnie not Darko. Hold up. <laughs> like, <laughs> Lost in Translation is one where like I I felt it resonated with me so deeply, and now when I watch, it, I'm like, this is a lot of racist jokes. Sure, like just well, like subtle. Like oh, here's the differences between these uh, Asian people and us. And so right. Blade Runner still like means a lot to me, and I think it's still I've watched it a lot throughout the years still and shown it to people. But so I think it still mostly holds up to me, even though now that I'm older and like a, a intersectional feminist person, I think like <laughs> there's a rape scene. And I think that like the sexual seduction scene is rape. <laughs> and I think that like with weird jazzy undertones. Mm-hmm. And then I think that like there should be some more Asian characters and stuff in this landscape and things like that. But yeah. like, yeah. 
So, I mean, like, like they're, they're, women are a little bit of props in this, but they're way worse than the next one. And I think this one still asks is more like, what does it mean to be human? And the next one's like, only cares about what it means to be a white man. But hmm. moving forward. Well, I don't know. You don't know about the new one? I mean, I'll get into it. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think about that. About which part? What it means to be a white man. Because both of the white men that we see are replicants. Yeah, oh, so they both... Well, we don't know if... I mean, I honestly... I don't... I still don't know if Deckard's a replicant. At this point, I would say he probably okay. isn't. Because I think his lifespan shouldn't have let him age that much. Because he That's was true. pre... Sure. These Nexus 8 with the unlimited lifespans kind of attached to them. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think most likely he actually probably isn't a replicant but at this point. Then so what a motivation with a replicant? Yes. But then what motivation would the Blade Runner have to go after him if he's not a replicant? You know what I mean? He's like, hiding to ensure the safety of his child. They don't want to find him because he knows things to, could, that could lead them to. I think Bobby's saying, "Why would Ryan go oh, looking?" For yeah, him? like if if he's if he's like, "Oh, this this Blade Runner is after me because I'm a replicant." He doesn't think he's after him. But he like shoots him when he gets there. Yeah, but he goes there to chase him. Like he shoots him because he doesn't like some. He was he's been hiding out from people for this long, so he doesn't want anyone finding out his spot. Yeah, maybe my my read on it is he's a replicant, and he's like that. Blade Runner wants to kill me for being a replicant. Oh, I didn't get that at all. Yeah, but it is it is a question of like why is this replicant aging? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Dave Bautista's character does, but he's right. an older replicant model. Be- this is Wallace models. I don't mm-hmm. think Tyrell models had open-ended oh, yeah. aging. I mean, there was the thought that Rachel might because she was so close to him and he referred to her as his niece and stuff, which yeah. means that like, maybe he didn't put the four-year lifespan in her. I don't know. This but, is like, where like, there's no reason Deckard wouldn't have a four-year lifespan though. There's... This is this is where like the amount of internal mythology <laughs> for this thing like I, I it's it's I don't know like it 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 hurts a film to me when you can't keep track of like the logic of it well, or, I, or or you can't like I don't have maybe I'd need to see the first one again and they go through this well but but like to me it's it's the sort of thing where it's like if if we can't tell if he's a replicant or not there's a very clear thing going wrong in terms of explaining Oh, I things. don't think so. I'm happy but, they don't answer that question. I like the ambiguity with it. Like, I think it, if we don't know, then that also means he chose to never find out. He honestly doesn't know, I'm pretty sure, or else Jared Leto would have been able to extract it from sure. him. Sure. Okay, so it is, like, debatable then. Yeah. It's Okay. Well, yeah, it's still a debate. Like, he literally kept it open. I think they mostly did. He puts that... Jared Leto teases about it. Right. And then they purposefully leave it open. Sure. I guess when we're getting into, I mean, the, like, the, the, the model numbers and... of it, then I'm like, yeah, he probably can't be a replicant. Right. But I, I think also, like, there's a danger in looking at sci-fis with that kind of ultra-grained lens. So, like, everything could fall apart if you try so much. I mean... Okay, I'm right. talking about the original more so because I'm not invested in the sequel at all. Sure. Spoiler alert, I really fucking didn't like it. <laughs> so, but uh, I am invested in the original and the idea that like you're just in this life to experience this world and these questions, but yeah. you don't have to come away with like exact knowledge about the workings. I don't want to come away with exact... I think it's more... It's sort of... 
like when you're talking about model numbers, mm-hmm. I think I think it's sort of it gets to that point where you're talking to certain people about Star Wars yeah, and exactly. they know all the ships and it's you're like the same exact kind of deal. But right, but like for me it's sort of like, okay, I didn't you know, I don't have you any don't of that have knowledge. To know it. Right, like, exactly. Yeah. I mean it's totally like, fine to not know it. That's the sort of stuff that you shouldn't need to know to be able to enjoy Listen, the Listen guys, I watched the documentary which is three <laughs> hours today. I'm overloaded with information. No, I get it. <laughs> and I appreciate but the like, information. You don't need that information, right. I think. And you could get bogged down with it easily and i'm not gonna get in fights with like nerd boys online about like no you're wrong because this model number means this right right yeah i've had those talks with people where you're just like okay like i'm i was done with this conversation (laughs) (laughs) oh man my my example of that was a dude at the library where i worked in college where he was like a super know-it-all about the orders of the sovereigns of the united kingdom of great britain and i was like okay (laughs) Okay. What? Your life must be sad. Like, I'm sorry. I don't mean to make fun of your sad life, but if you're a know-it-all about that. And, like, I get it. Like, if there's something I really love, like, there was a time in my life when I loved Star Wars enough to, like, learn ship names. Yeah. Yeah. not, not Not even, like, learn ship names, but also, like, find opportunities to demonstrate that knowledge. Well, see, that's the thing. I I like knowing these things, but I don't want to fucking like go out there and be like, did you know? Right. Or like, your theory is wrong because of this. Especially as I get older, like, you know, you, you get to a point where you're like, nobody else gives a shit about since any of this I'm, information. Since I'm like a nerd girl and my knowledge has been continuously tested by like <laughs> boys all the time, I'm definitely not getting into yeah. it. <laughs> like even the first time I bought Blade Runner, it was when I was like 17 and the dudes at Best Buy were like, oh, you're an awesome girlfriend for buying this for your boyfriend. That's and I'm like, so this weird. is for me. I, <laughs> like, that's a strange read. Yeah. And then they're like, then they wanted to quiz me on it and I was like fuck you guys that's so fucked up that just makes me that just reinforces the idea that like this whole nerd culture is like so toxic it's toxic and like it 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 I don't know I I don't I don't know I feel like it's there's a lot of sexism happening, and it's I feel a weird like boys club. For it's sure. a weird, it's oh, a weird boys club. So much sexism like, in that community recently with the the Doctor Who announcement, and then Rick oh, and Morty fans freaking out about female writers and like yeah. Oh, they fear. Oh man, I didn't even hear about that. Yeah, because season three they added more female writers, and a lot of the people were like, "This season is just terrible." And <laughs> oh it, my it's not god! Okay. As soon as like, but that's the thing. As soon as nerd guys get in, like mad about something, I'm like. Time to check it out. Yeah. <laughs> I never really cared about Rick and Morty That's really before. Funny. I watched three seasons in like a week and a half. I was like, it's great. I love yeah. it. <laughs> um, but while I was watching this, I kept thinking like, I wonder if this movie believes that its target audience is men. Yes. Yeah. Like, Hands down. I wonder if this movie did not uh, write yes. this movie no. with women in mind. Uh, there are no women involved women in, mind, in sure. writing this movie, and there are definitely no women thought. Like, uh, I left this movie theater crying. Oh, no. <laughs> like, I was so upset. Yeah. Oh, and Justin's just like, they're there. Because <laughs> like, he doesn't really have a... Yeah, he had no investment. But also, this movie didn't do good financially because it didn't target women either. Like, if you don't, Wonder Woman and other movies have shown, like, women are a good audience women to have, have on money. your side. Like, sure. In a post-Mad Max era and stuff, I'm not going to deal with this kind of shit in my sci-fi. Yeah. I feel like, like, 
It seems like it was destined to fail to me. Just really? because, I mean, but yeah. the first Blade Runner was a like wasn't a success either. Yeah. But that's like, what I'm saying. Yeah, it was like, a cult favorite over time. Like I don't think you go into making a Blade Runner sequel for financial gain. If you no, do, you're kind of an idiot. Well, but that's the thing is they <laughs> okay. they they pumped so much money into this. They treated it like they it was going to be a blockbuster. If you know anything about like the scope of Blade Runner and the people who are so energetically into it. You should know it's not going to make money. Right. That's like, like I, I don't understand what executive thought that this was going to be like a big this money. This is profitable. Right. Because like even now the people who love Blade Runner is a niche audience. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it is not. It's it's it's, it's not a, a broad mass appeal thing. I would say other cult favorites definitely even have way more of a following. Like right. Rocky yeah. Horror Picture Show. Yeah, that has more of a yeah. following. And yeah. That has enough of a following that like they could put it on ABC as like a new musical well, yeah. or whatever, and people and are gonna. Actually, I heard it was kind of bad, well, I've never watched any of those live ABC musicals. Me I was curious about no. the Grease one, but that is a tangent for another day. <laughs> I feel like I feel like those things. This is my conspiracy theory: is that those are like just Twitter events. Like they know it's that it's live. just going to be like this live social media wow. thing of like everybody well, griping about it the whole time. I mean, time. they really try to because they like do hashtags and stuff. Like yeah, that. yeah, they that's really like, interesting. But yeah, I just like, I just feel like like the whole thing is like we will get people to turn to ABC for social media reasons once the not twitter, to enjoy this thing as a thing but to enjoy talking about it on social media once the twitter bubble bursts uh tv archaeologists will go back in time and be like why were they pandering to this fucking twitter audience that's weird because that's that's you know 20 million guaranteed views right there not 20 million that's too many but no but clue how many. <laughs> um but blade runner but blade runner, blade runner. 2049 um so yeah um so i like the first one a lot i think final cuts the way but the director said that he grew up on the original and the Villeneuve liked, did yeah and then he liked final cut so he said like it's a, a mix between those two like those Who are the, the two. author of this piece uh the author of the book or the author of the script the author, author of, of the this script. screenplay of the new of the one. current screenplay the current 2049 i was gonna say um the one one of the dudes worked on both of them um oh. the, and they approached him and he like wrote like a 110 page novella and then was like i'm done all right this is what you have <laughs> that's um, what i got well because his relationship on the first one was pretty contentious too because mm. they brought in another person to help even out some of his things hampton oh. fancher and michael yeah. green hampton fancher is the one i'm talking about hampton look at fancher. that man i'm looking at a picture yeah, of 15 I saw he ran him away to on spain the documentary a lot today that guy's got some energy Mario 79 Martin. good and wrinkled um yeah and so oh um the guy who wrote the script for this writes scripts for a lot of things, so he's going to write the Orient on their order. Um, You're talking Murder about this guy, Michael Express. Green? Yes. Oh, yeah, Murder on the Orient Express. And I really, really want to see that, even though... I did Johnny enjoy Cash. Logan. Oh, he also wrote Green Lantern, so that's how he got his start. The screenwriter for... Uh, Great movie. Yeah, right? So good. Good job. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am excited for Murder on the Orient Express. I mean, I'm excited to see Daisy Ridley and uh, Leslie oh, wow. Odom Jr. Shit. He's yeah, going to be dashing. Good. It's going to be a multicast piece. So, you know, you'll at least get to I'm enjoy in it in parts. I'm for Agatha Christie. Right. And yeah. like Johnny Duff's not going to be in it for too long. It's fine. <laughs> I, face I annoys am, me at this point. I am looking forward to the further decline of Johnny Depp. <laughs> Me too. It's just, just going to keep getting worse. To, like, all yeah. male celebrities that have done something shitty getting dragged. Yeah. <laughs> and like 
women too. I mean, white women are not excused from no. a lot of shitty behavior yeah. too. So I like feel, drag them all. I, like, feel like, I feel like Tilda Swinton's days are numbered. Like yeah, she does like, good work, nah, but like she keeps for, fucking like, up. Uh, approval and then be like, justify your experience. And yeah. That's why. No, no, yeah. No. Like the, there was this one dude that backed out of a project that had an Asian character originally because they're like whitewashing still happening and stuff. And like he like backed out once he found out that like the origin of it. I was like, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Do that. <laughs> like it is actually still on the actors. You can do that. I'm yeah. trying to remember what movie that was because I, I saw it. What? And that guy was a ta- like was he from Game of Thrones originally? Oh yeah, he was in the the original Darius in Game of Thrones. Oh okay, yeah. gotcha. He got recast like right away almost. Uh, well, not anyway. He was bad. I think he just wanted to do something else. <laughs> right. But Murder on the Orient Express was one of my trailers for this movie. Oh really? Oh yeah. I wrote them down because I know you guys. I sometimes did too. Go through them. I did not have that one on mine. I had that on my I had a lot of viewing. trailers and then, for this goddamn movie. Okay, I had a lot on... Funny thing, I had a lot of trailers for my thirst viewing, which I think was actually for Kingsman 2, oh. because then Kingsman 2 did actually start at some point, and we're Oops. like, I, I thought it could have been that one of those things where it was like they programmed a five-minute thing for yeah, like like a movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, they did that with Dark Knight and stuff, but like, nope, it was actually just Kingsman 2 were you in the wrong room no they put on the wrong movie they switched it this is what happens when you do all the projection by computer man so I think our trailers we watch war for like for Kingsman 2 maybe (laughs) until like somebody walked out and was like hey do you guys know that you're playing Kingsman 2 right now and they're like oh fuck and then they have to run over the room (laughs) yeah I I got Lord Croft too and then I got Winston Churchill it was a weird mashup man you got completely different ones than I did I got so so many and i was like like by the the final one i was just like how is this still trailers at this point because it was and like it's also a two hour and 40 minute yeah, movie it was like 10 trailers which is like a 20 extra minutes on oh, top of the man, two hours and sucks. 40 minutes so i got thank you for your service which is that I one that with one. um miles um, teller miles teller yeah about the iraq the war looks like very yay america it looks like yeah. american sniper yeah. written by the author of american sniper yeah it looks so like it yeah. i got uh the disaster artist oh i didn't get that which one. is a curious one to have in front of blade runner 2049 why is the disaster artist uh that's the one the the it's like the movie the dramatization yeah. of the creation of the room oh uh yeah that is a weird one yeah <laughs> Uh, the Maze Runner Death Cure. What? Oh, wow. They're bringing <laughs> oh, back Maze God. Runner. Well, I mean, you, they they're going to go through the book at this point, they right? Sometimes they stop when it doesn't get enough fraction, like, traction. Like the, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe series. They did did with, they stop? Yeah, I and they did so. it with Percy Jackson, too. Yeah. <laughs> they had, like, one movie. You know what? This isn't working. We'll also, just give up. Golden Compass actually. only one movie? Yeah. I feel like I feel like if they get to the second movie, then they're committed. It's like No, they did two for Percy Jackson. Oh, did they? And then And then they said, you know what? This really Let's just cut it. Let's money. just <laughs> cut our losses and go. And Divergent wasn't making money either. And then like they still made all the movies, but by the third one people had left. I was gonna say the third one they like turned into a TV thing. Right? Yeah, I don't I know. believe so. Yeah, because there was a whole bunch it. of like angry news about it, I remember. I have not seen any of those movies. No, I did not good. see a single one. <laughs> but that does bring up an interesting thing that I thought of was that like 
I think that they are going to, or try to, or we're trying to make this franchise, the Blade Runner franchise, into... Oh, I think it could have a sequel. I think it could, but like, sure. it didn't make enough money. I think the sequel, and it's disappointing, because the sequel, I might be way more interested right. in than this story, because if it is like a replicant rebellion led by that one, like, one-eyed woman, yeah. Yeah. I'm in. Sure. Like, bring her in for more than two lines, and I'm there. Yeah. I just think it's, I don't, like, why would you choose this to try and create a universe around I think there were also like several novelizations that came out after Adrian I mean, Mad Max did I believe good. it and then maybe they got their heads rolling that like these things could come back like this but maybe this was no Mad Max experience well and and the older Mad Max movies were financial successes were they not in a way that I, I honestly don't know. I, think I mean so. they made three goddamn movies they couldn't have been I complete think they flops were, they were they were pretty big yeah because like the first one I think was like a Tina ch- Turner was in one of them. She was in the yeah. third one. She was in Beyond Thunderdome. But like the first two were really cheaply shot action movies. They were kind of like El Mariachi style, you know, where mm-hmm. it's like, I made this for $10,000 and it ends up being like a really fun action romp. Yeah. Um, and so I I think those did well. I just, I, it, it continues to boggle my mind. Anyway, but I wait. Think they okay. could easily just start shooting the novelizations that they made and just pump out some movies that way i suppose that's true it's Wait, just weird novelizations yeah like they wrote several a couple sequels to oh, do androids like not i don't think philip k dick wrote he them didn't. but like yeah someone surely wrote, he didn't someone wrote some books he actually that, was happy so, with the original blade runner they brought him in like right before he died and he saw a few minutes of it and really liked it he huh. said that it was his world and deckard was more deckard wow. than he could have imagined and things interesting like that. and so when they did another release of the of that book they started they changed the title to blade runner parentheses yeah Shape. Yeah, right. I'm listening to. I was listening to the audiobook, and it has that title. Yeah, because I actually had never read the book. I got about four hours through it. There's five hours more. I wanted to try and finish it before this, but I didn't. So, but I mean, it does. I don't like Philip K. Dick's books that much, weirdly enough. Like, I've I like, never read one. I'm a really big sci-fi person, and I really like the worlds he creates. But like the way his books go they take me out of it they're just so uh i don't know factual seeming and like theoretical seeming that i'm just like i want more i'm so more story based that That's i so, just i think i don't know that raises but an interesting... i like his movies like the movie adaptations based on his work so i like the worlds he creates i just yeah. don't necessarily like the way he writes them. i i like the ideas he has yeah but then when they're executed it seems like yeah like the man in the high castle yeah i i watched that i'm like there is like no story here like this the setting and the premise are super interesting but like i cannot give less of a fuck about this story i love blade runner but they just took his world and then went with it yeah their own thing kind of i mean it has a lot of similarity like similarities but and i like um scanner darkly i didn't love as book but i liked the movie I don't know. I think I like his adaptations better than his actual books. I think I like his ideas, but they don't often render good stories. So, I don't know. He has really good concepts. (laughs) People can turn them into good stories. Yeah. Like, Minority Report was a good story. That was a good story. But I think that if you were to read Minority Report, you might get bored. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, because, like, everybody, not just you two, but, like, other people that I have heard talk about reading philip k dick they get bored they like i do get bored. like 
it's it's apparently not exciting. Like it's, I feel like a bad English major who likes sci-fi when I read if, it. Is it, is it the is sort bad. of thing? Is it the sort of thing where it's like all idea and no action? No. Okay, because I started reading Do Android Dream a Sheep and. It has a. I started getting more invested towards the like a few hours in, so yeah. I actually will finish it now at this point. But um, I mean, it takes a while to get going f- with them and stuff, so you have to just like put in a good fifty, sixty, a hundred pages to really give a fuck. And then, like, sure, sure. Yeah, but I don't know, because um, they are similar though. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. I well, I'll, I'm. It's the sort of thing where I'm curious to read one, but everybody has turned me so off to it. Shannon, <laughs> our friend Shannon, I looked on Goodreads and she gave it five stars and says it's like one of hmm. her favorite. Books. Oh wow, interesting. So, there's there also a TV. Series. There's always somebody. I mean, he's sold so many books. There's people that like, there's a lot people of friends, who love him. My friend Johnny really likes him and stuff like. I really like the ideas in the world, but don't need to read it necessarily. Yeah. There is a TV show that is out now. I think it's called Electric Sheep or Electric Sleeper. Electric Dreams. Oh, yeah. Maybe. They bring, yeah, I heard yeah, of that. And that's it's like, on Netflix, isn't it? I think it may be on like Amazon or something. Okay. But like, yeah, it's like, you know, Philip K. Dick stories, like self contained episodes, I think. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I think that's a good concept. Yeah. I'd be here for that. Yeah, I'm curious about that. My sister was really excited about it. Um, so okay, so should we get into the inner workings of this actual movie? Yes, we can sure try. Okay, so <laughs> the beginning of the movie, fun fact, was like the intro when he's coming on the crop, like the farmer and stuff. Uh-huh. That was the intro that Ridley Scott originally wanted for the first Blade Runner. Oh, interesting. Okay. And then they ended up doing it with the scene where he's interviewing the replicant and then mm-hmm. shoots him like the replicant shoots him instead um also replicant and blade runner have no place in the books they're uh as those, words you mean yeah those are words they came up with afterwards yeah i got that impression <laughs> let's blade just runner, make something that sounds cool blade yeah runner has an interesting like place where it came from because it came from a william s burroughs like book where it said blade runner the movie which was based on another book called blade runner which had nothing to do with this That's it was really about like doing covert medical exams and stuff but then i guess one of them was just like blade runner <laughs> you know what <laughs> dangerous days is the name of the documentary and that's one of the names they were like throwing around hmm. Hmm. interesting I like, I like replicant so in the books they call them andy and androids replicant makes sense i like to replicant me. yeah I because love that like term. you know you got like this A replication yeah you got this mechanical clone basically but blade runner i was always kind of like i Seems don't like it just comes yeah out you you just pick that you just pick that. That's from just cool. <laughs> so yeah, the beginning with Dave Patista was like a original concept that he wanted to open in on that they, he was going into like almost shot by shot that he went into a house of a farmer and then the farmer didn't see him there yeah, or saw him there, but didn't say anything. And he just sat in the corner and he was cooking soup in this case, garlic. And then, yeah, just um, then has to, shoot him and find out and we then find out why he shot him sure because yeah yeah i want more dave batista in the movie yeah he was good that he went like that he went so fast yeah he was in one of the prequels so he was in um the last prequel they did the 2048 one you said there were three prequels yeah so they just showed like it was like a fast 
like a seven minute thing and they just showed him like interacting with a girl and stuff and like in a sweet way he was just going to market but then he broke up a fight and showed his strength and dropped some papers and then this dude was like i think i found your missing replicant oh. so that's so that was in 2048 this is 2049 so that's what directly led to his capture interesting because he had been pretty good i guess at for years because yeah. i was wondering also if his farm was for like his own self like perseverance or if it was to sell and then I guess the market made it a little more clear to me that it wasn't just for himself. Theoretically, you'd need to sell a little bit. Like, yeah. otherwise, government's going to come. Well, yeah, but the government's going to... He's uh, <laughs> evading everyone. <laughs> right, but, like, if you've got a farm, <laughs> you can't hide that shit. That's a big old farm. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, I guess people didn't know he was a replicant until he, like, showed his strength and stuff in those matters. Yeah. But. Because he's one of the aging replicants. Mm Because, like, he clearly has aged since... Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, we didn't see him in the beginning. Right. I did not, like, from either movie, I did not get any or catch any rules about whether replicants can age or not. Oh, so they did that in the... Well, they didn't say whether they could age, but, like, there wasn't enough time span in the first one. The Tyrell ones had a limited time span of four, um, four years. We hmm. didn't find out if that was for literally all of them. Like, Rachel could have been an exception to that. Hmm. Um, and Deckard, I guess, conceivably could have been, too. Yeah. But And then the Nexus 8s came out, and those were supposed to have, like, unlimited lifespans just as long as the people wanted them. But we didn't find out if they aged. I also found it weird that he had glasses, because I was like, would his vision wear? Sure. Like, things like that. Hmm. I guess, like, when I saw it, I just kind of got to the point where I was like, all old replicants age and get old. Like, mm-hmm. that was my... Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of okay with not having clear-cut <laughs> answers on those things. Sure. Like, that's not one of the things that, like, bothers me. Right. But that's why I thought, like, I... I just find the glasses odd. Because I could understand you aging more so than you deteriorating. Right. That yeah. makes sense. But aging, but, deteriorating is part of aging, so I don't know. Sure. <laughs> but that's why Harrison Ford... The idea of him being a replicant made sense to me. Yeah. I mean, he could still be a replicant because we see an aged replicant. Right, right. Um, but it was way after his time, so I don't think so. It was way after, oh, I see, way after his model time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But even before we get to Harrison so Ford, there's a whole bunch of movie. 2019 yeah. was the original date, and this is 2049, so 30 years later. Right. Yeah, um, Harrison Ford doesn't come in until two fucking hours. I, I I did not like that they put him in the trailer. Yeah, I they should. I thought you got second billing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whatever. He's an old man at this point. I didn't think he was going to lead the movie, but I I'm kind of with you, Bob. I don't know. It I, if it's like it would have been a really it, it would have been a really good reveal yeah. if they had not done that. Was so like the Rachel reveal, like that was like an actual reveal because like I just assumed that she wasn't going to be in it, but like make any appearance. and so they just CGI'd her and like I don't know. Mm. Yeah, so I don't know, but. So, yeah, um, I mean, first off, number of complaints about this movie. One, way too damn long. Doesn't need to be this long. The yeah. first one is like an hour and 40 minutes, I think. Mm-hmm. And like this movie just didn't need to be this long. Two hours and 43 minutes. Like, are you serious? Yeah. And some movies could exist for that amount and I could justify it. Sure. This one, no. There were a lot of things I was like, 
Like the woman drowned for like two minutes later on. Spoiler, but whatever. Oh, you mean at the but end? Like they dragged out scenes that you did not need to drag out, and I'm like, your movie's already way too long. <laughs> like, yeah. it's interesting because it's not like it was definitely long, but it is not one where I felt the length. Oh, personally. yeah. I, I I I had like budgeted that amount of time, and so like I knew going in. How long the is it going to be? The second time, like, I didn't feel it as bad. Okay, so I did have a different experience on my second viewing. Like, yeah. My first one was like met with fury, rage, and sadness. Mm-hmm. And like then I dealt with my stages of grief about the movie. Yeah. And then my second one, I mean, I knew what to expect. So I just went in there like, all right, this is what I'm going to get. And I did enjoy it a lot more knowing what to expect. And yeah. that time it went much quicker. I think that we should say for the audience. Um, spoilers? No. Oh. Uh, By all means, spoilers. Always no spoilers are a thing that you're going to do. I right? think, I mean, yeah. we've spoiled enough movies at this point that we like. It. If a- you're listening to this and you don't realize we're spoiling, yeah. like, you haven't what? you haven't been yeah. paying attention no um, what anyway was, what were you saying about what i was going to say was um i i think that like generally the critics have given this like good ratings like this is oh, generally like a well-liked yeah. movie but also but, most critics are kind of mad right and so what i'm trying to get at is that i think that you should say for our audience like why you didn't like this movie because oh, okay, yeah. there might be some people listening to this right now being like I don't understand what her beef is she hasn't really said yeah, explicitly like what your beef is okay so yeah because a lot of people do like this movie and I was like you guys could have someone on this movie who would like it because I'm just going to annoy people probably but <laughs> Um, okay, so this movie really didn't treat its woman characters great at all to me. Um, and it also was a primarily white cast in a mm-hmm. like Asian kind of landscape again. I mean, we're in greater Los Angeles, but it's still kind of Asian centric looking that and we don't have any, a, any Asian characters. Even the one woman said she dyed her hair black to appear Asian, but oh, she's fucking white. Up. So like, which woman though? The, the one who was going after him? Love. Love. Also, yeah. she's named they, her name is Love. They dyed her hair to make her seem more she Asian? She said she wanted to dye her hair to make herself seem what? more Asian. Her and her best friend because even she, started greeting uh, each other in Japanese and got uh, really into it. And I'm like, oh honey. No. Ill-advised. There you go. She's like, oh, it's more part of the culture if I am like doing this or I don't know. Yeah, that's no, like, you're no honey. That's fucked no. up. Um, so yeah, okay. Yeah. So my main thing is the society seems very weird and doesn't make much sense to me on a lot of levels. Like it's very heteronormative and it's very speaking like it seems only for men. And like if you addressed that and were like this is a patriarchy world society and this mm-hmm. is a pitfall of this society, but they don't like, they don't. they don't address it. So we don't know it's an issue because we have the robot Joe, which is uh, the hologram, uh, perfect fucking wet dream of a woman, which is fine. And I don't actually mind her that much. Cause like, yeah, you could have that kind of figure. That's right. fun. Like in but this, in this society, women like you would can also buy have those like boy toys, maybe, or like one yeah. of those kind of figures. Like there were so many, easy ways they could try to fix little things like robin wright's character could have totally had like a hot boy toy for herself and like (laughs) i would have seen that because her only like i like robin wright's character and people argue with me saying this is good for women because she is like in an authority like role but she's only called madam throughout it all i had to look up her name this this movie does not pass the bechdel test like they have two women talking to each other but like they're only talking about the man and also her name is madam madam and the other woman who's named is love yeah (laughs) Yeah. but 
And then Joe. And then Joe also names him Joe, which don't even get me started. <laughs> I thought her name was Joy. Or maybe it's J-O-I. Joy. I, I, I think it was Joy. Yeah. Joy, but yeah. Either way, way too close to Joe still. Yeah. So like Robin Wright's main moment is when she is like seeking into Ryan Gosling's memory and giving him time to explain his like moment in his past and stuff and then she like kind of comes on to him and stuff but then wait you're talking about the point in the apartment the in his apartment no robin wright's character when she's like drinking her whiskey and then she's just like asking tell me a memory you have to it's a command and i then think she's i like, thought that what they were in his apartment at yeah, that point I they were in his apartment. <laughs> oh i thought they were in the playstation cell because it looks like what we see later when love comes to attack her What's i mean everything was white walled I mean, it's not like, yeah, those areas <laughs> looked much different. But that anyway. Was like the, that was the police station? That's why I thought, yeah. Oh, I She's definitely. not in his apartment. I assumed that, yeah. Oh, man. Because I thought Cause Joy showed up, him. like, right she after. She calls him. Because Joy could go places with yeah. him. Yeah. Okay. So, right. I don't know. I guess, like, that's a fault of the movie then. Yeah. Like, if both of us didn't understand that that's where they were. So, like, I definitely had the impression that they were at his place. Yeah. Yeah. So Robin Wright. Anyway, the character. point where she's drinking the whiskey. Yeah. And then she's like, I could just do anything with you kind of, or she like makes an allusion to that. Interesting. I did not get a sense that she was coming on to him, but I, I didn't was a either. Little but winky. I, you got that. And I also read that. And I'm like, I was waiting for a come on and I didn't quite <laughs> I mean, she see didn't one. Push it that far. Like she toyed with the idea. Maybe but she like, should have <laughs> well that's uh, i mean i just wanted to see like this idea that women like exist in this world and don't have sexual desires or desires of their own is like yeah. weird and bullshit and mm-hmm. i mean wasn't in the hologram like is this a normal society like where everyone's walking around and there's an 80 foot hologram of a nude woman like i want to see some donk we didn't get any yeah. donk <laughs> i didn't get any ryan gosling donk yeah and, like there was a scene where i could have gotten it but we got tons of titties sure oodles <laughs> a which i don't have major issue if if you do other things but yeah i don't know that i would have wanted robin wright to have a boy toy though because like wasn't the point that the boy or the 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 toy is just a like it is just that it's like a sad thing like they kept pointing out that like oh you're that guy who can't be with humans like yeah that was that was an interesting i thought if this is a concept that a lot of people use in this society i thought that she could totally like have one of her own too i just think they should have shown sexuality in a way for both of them and even the director thought this had multi like facets of femininity and i just think that's like a laughable joke because the only all these women are just like stereotypes that men are attracted to too like the woman in the woman in a sense of power who drinks her whiskey and has like her hair slicked back and wears the dark black and then the love figure who's like subservient and then wears like like, but she's also like kicking ass and stuff but she does everything for jared leto's character and stuff just because you kick ass doesn't mean you're a developed character and then there we have like the hooker with a heart of gold i guess i mean that's that's another yeah another thing is that they didn't quite explore quite enough for me is like they sort of like played with it a little bit is the the fact that like the the replicants are slaves yeah and so well, like yeah. she, like uh, love is a slave like she is a, a I mean, slave she cries to at that scene when he tears down the other woman that was just born oh mm-hmm. and that's another thing the violence against women is really upsetting in this yeah movie. Like, when he was choking her at the end i was like then i don't lasted, need like, to see two that minutes i mean come on like i i did get the impression that like 
he was in a position where he's like, I need to kill her to survive. I get right. that. But like you watching, only have relish in yeah, it. Yeah, like, like watch, some watching him strangle her. Was it seemed like, like this weird hard. thing that you, someone was like getting too much from. Like, huh. yeah. yeah, she's a villain, but like most of the men are just cut down. Like they're shot and they're killed, but we don't like take glory in it or like linger on those moments yeah. but we do linger on some woman deaths in some upsetting ways sure yeah like the one where jared leto has to cut her stomach open i purposefully left to go to the bathroom in that scene like because it just was gross i mean jared leto is gross so but then <laughs> him having to like uh, like a woman's terrified and her like not to mention that he has like allegations against him and then he's like in this movie his third scene with Jared Leto has allegations too? Uh-huh. What allegations see him? I mean, uh, I guess I'll Don't you know I everybody has allegations. I can google it later. Yeah. That's well, fine. there's nobody who's good anymore. That's <laughs> I, true. I think a lot that's of white I men think in Hollywood like, have allegations against them. But yeah, he has allegations. My default is just to assume that nobody is good um, anymore. 30 seconds from Mars um gig to attract young girls and there's uh at least one rape allegation against oh, him. Oh shit. So, but Such I just genuinely low. find him kind of gross at this point just yeah. because his behavior on Suicide Squad just seems so obnoxious and gross and upsetting. Um, um, did so, you think that he was a, a replicant? No. Even though he had the glossy eyes? Like yeah, the other he's replicants? blind. And apparently Jared Leto actually wore like um, contacts so he couldn't see during those scenes because he's so method. Huh. And uh, the director was like, it was like Jesus was walking out. What? And I was like, really? <laughs> it was like Jesus Why was walking like out? Jesus? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> I don't know. That's a um, weird way to articulate but yeah, it. Yeah, I was like, oh, you're giving that a lot of credit. Um, yeah, because he's one of those, like, hands down has to be very method. But we don't know what's wrong with him. They allude to it in the second prequel short where they say, um, like, he says his condition makes it hard for him to go places. Oh. Him, but he doesn't say what said condition is. I 1,000% thought he was a replicant because of the oh i don't did you think he was a replicant i don't know that i gave it enough thought i think at the time i thought that he was a human and that is why he did not give a shit about any of the replicants that he was creating i know so another major flaw i have with this movie is i don't get jared letter's whole deal at all even like because okay both of parties that were like siding with both want like procreation for replicants mm-hmm. or they want like but like they both are on divided sides of that and i just don't know what he has to gain even from that i thought he wanted it for like study he wanted it as a specimen i think he that- wants it as like a god complex and to take over i guess other worlds but mm-hmm. I, it's still like as a business model it doesn't make sense it doesn't to make me. sense why <laughs> well, would you even need procreation if you can just create them we can create an army like I he don't wants know. Him right. that he could make something that can make life at this point it just seems godly well but. and that's why i thought it was a specimen thing is like yeah. i want to understand how this happens so that i can like either you know uh make it like maybe he wants some that can reproduce i don't yeah. know but so like in the second short they gave a little more lighting to it they just said like he made it seem He's like, my replicants will do anything for me and I could do anything I want to them. And there will be, because they were nervous about like doing replicants again after the blackout, which Mm -hmm. they talk about a little in this. And one of the shorts goes into that. Um, I just remember his speech during the scene. I give life. Well, but like the scene where he's, where he does the cutting of the stomach, like his speech during that part, 
he's like talking about how like i've figured out how to do everything but but like and he like you know touches the womb area yeah. and he's like i figured out everything but this and, and so like always calls him his angels oh. right and so like for for him it was like this thing of like this is the one mystery that i, I must like, solve or something yeah, i don't know at just this point i feel like it's just like a pride and god complex yeah. thing but like as a business model it doesn't fully make sense and then also like the idea that you could control all your replicants i mean he would obviously be very arrogant but love even cried during the scene where they like cut where he like cut that woman mm-hmm. and i think like I don't know, you could push her, her like attention to you so far that it would, I mean, when you're dealing with replicants and like you're making them more human than human, like they're gonna be able to have their own say in things. So eventually that could really go wrong for you, buddy. True. But he was proving in the short, he just like took down another figure and like cut this replicant and killed him to show that he could do anything with them. So maybe he thinks he could literally be a dictator with these replicates. Maybe. Yeah. 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 He's definitely, he's definitely got, he's, he's power hungry. That's for sure. In the first movie, I felt like we didn't need to know the motives so much because it was just, he was supposed to retire some replicants and then we're asking questions. But this one, is trying to guess to understand some of these characters a little more. And I'm like, it doesn't make sense. Though. Right. <laughs> like, like, like uh, yeah. Once you start scrutinizing it, it's like, wait, what is the, what? What do you want to do here, yeah, buddy? Like, <laughs> you Which are part are you thinking a corporate. Of? I'm just thinking Wallace just doesn't make sense to me. Like, he's a, a corporate god, but he's not allowed on the planet Earth because of the replicant. Isn't that right? He's like, he was allowed to be on Earth, was I think. He? Isn't, yeah, the headquarters is on Earth. Oh. I thought it was too. I'm not positive though. Okay. Well, listen guys, <laughs> this movie's not that great <laughs> because I, I didn't know. Cause like, I don't know. I, I assumed he was a replicant, so okay. he couldn't be on Earth. So I think a lot of people like, yeah, and this did really well with critics, which I'm surprised by how well it did. But I think there is a problem of a lot of critics being kind of of the same ethnicity and sex and situation. Sure. So sure. Yeah. sometimes we get that with Rotten Tomatoes and things like that. Yeah. But I think this movie like, could have a wow factor for a lot of people but once you start scrutinizing it it could fall apart terribly yeah it's interesting like maybe i should go back and watch the first one again when i watched the first one i thought this is confusing and muddled and i don't like it's pretty but that's all i'm having like i think the first one has so much more about humans (laughs) hot take i enjoyed the second one more than i enjoyed the first one you're not alone in that (laughs) department Um, there's people who have said it i just i'm gonna disagree fully with you well it's okay we're still friends right well and like i think that you are 100 percent right about the treatment of female characters in this but i'm I'm just saying that in terms of the clarity of the story to me Mm -hmm. and it was still beautiful but like um, I said, I mean, if you grow up with something, it's going to be... Oh, like, sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. No question. Like, I, this is the thing, it's is I have me. no investment in yeah. Bl- Blade Runner Part 1. It's hard for me uh, to separate, <laughs> uh, separate, like, my, separate my experience from it to know, like, how it would be for me watching it the first time now yeah. even. Because I'm in such a different mindset. And like I said, like, I like the first one a lot, but that love scene they try to do came off like great. Yeah. And you don't see that until you're older and stuff. I but, think... I I think it gets to more just a thing of like i remember when i tried to watch the first one i definitely got bored and i did not get bored here i got um, bored during this one that's fair uh yeah. 
I don't know. I there were scenes I really liked in this one. I was I was more engaged and like trying to mm-hmm. figure it out. Um, one of the other questions that Moisa had, like once she was like pointing out the things to me, I was like, oh, this did she not like it? I think she did like it, but it but had questions. Yeah. yeah. So for and example, there may the, well be inconsistencies that I missed. It, I mean, it's a sci-fi world. I think you could like. I don't even think that's a problem to have inconsistencies or questions coming away from it. Sure. But I guess like. Like, what was the thing that she noticed, though? I mean, she was writing a few things here, but, like, one thing she asked was, does the daughter, that girl in the bubble who ends up being, like, the human hybrid, does she work for Wallace? Like, we don't know. She's She's an independent contractor. She's an independent contractor She's an independent contractor to put in memories of the thing. Yeah, she said she likes to keep her freedom where she can, so he offered to hire her. If that is so, then why isn't she on the run with Deckard? Because they hid her identity well enough. So, like, like she's... He ran, exact, so he, like, he ran away from her specifically so that he would never meet and know her. And so, yeah. but, like, And after the blackout, the it was even hard to find out that information. Right. So, she is not in hiding from Wallace. No. Or she's no. in hiding in plain sight because yes. he doesn't know that she's a human hybrid. I don't think she even knows. I don't think she, think even, she knows. even knows. Yeah. She just knew that was her memory. Right. Okay. And like, so, I don't think she knows I am the only replicant-born woman or something, but she knows that, like, when she saw Kay's memory, that was my memory. Right. But, and so, so she has no reason to hide. Did you guys feel like it was uh, concretely resolved that, like, when they were looking at like the twins thing, like he believed he's like I was the a twin. Like he was like, he oh, she is my twin. And a boy had the same. Yeah, I was oh. a little muddled on that bit, yeah. honestly. And then they sort of explained it away by like, no, that was all fake because we were hiding her. And yeah, yeah. and Deckard says like we, I supplied them with all the people that knew how to hide this information, and mm-hmm. then I ran too. So, yeah. did so you, like, were you they, satisfied by that? Like, do you I think that like, <laughs> so, like you could say potentially that like maybe uh fucking k okay, yeah i think k is probably a replicant and it like, he died i don't think oh he was, i think he's no, totally he was a replicant. always a replicant i'm sorry you yeah. don't think he was like a human born, no. so you no, think i don't that, think like, he was born all no. of the i think all, that was actually pretty solved yeah okay so some people don't find that to be that solved okay. some people like these are lingering questions like is this just a thing that they said or like that was it was like a red died at the end i mean we were i mean like but like all of that stuff makes it seem like he's actually not the protagonist of this story you know what i mean like he is like the the vessel to get to this other uprising story totally the protagonist of the story i mean we follow his face for the whole he's okay that's technically what a protagonist is i'm saying that he is like like, he's not important he is a disposable character because he has no input. He's just sort of led us to... He's the MacGuffin, if He's you the MacGuffin. The woman <laughs> in her little glass cage is much more important than her. Thing. Yeah. But we still only got like three minutes total with said right. woman, and we get like two hours and 43 right. minutes with Gosling. I guess that sort of also reminds me of Children of Men. Yeah. Which oh, is I another movie that everyone is like, this is one of the best movies, and I walked out being like, really? that? Oh, really? You don't oh, know yeah, no, because so... Children of Men after this, I wanted to show Justin and be like, this is a sci-fi that doesn't treat women and people <laughs> of color as disposable and I like it. Yeah. Let's watch it. Um, so That movie guess had a lasting effect on me too. Yeah. That did God. not have a lasting effect. Alfonso Cuaron no. that no. like sent me on. Yeah. Um, anyway, but continue. That's, that's what I'm saying yeah. is that like the Clive Owen character in that is sort of the vessel to get to this pregnant woman. Who yeah. She's the, the important part of yeah. it. He's just helping get her on the journey. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 
So well, the but inter- she was with him the whole movie. Right. The interesting thing about Kay versus Deckard to me, though, is like you never know Deckard's a replicant. Like you never can say conclusively that Deckard's a yeah, replicant. No one right? can say conclusively. And so, like here from the beginning, you're like, oh, so Kay is Kay just a replicant. He's a replicant, and like also he that. he knows. Yeah. Like he, yeah, and he knows. And what's interesting is that like the seed of doubt that they plant is is he 100 percent a replicant? Okay, right. this is another thing I don't really like, and this is also a problem with the Thirst Blade Runner too, not just this one. But they treat um, the replicants like Skinners and things like that, and they call them things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And they treat them as figures of prejudice, and like they experience this, but it's always told through white people. So yeah. it feels kind of weird. Yeah. Like, it's like, here's an example of oppression. Notice that all the people are white. Man. Right. Like, it's like an allegory, so, an allegory for. And like all the replicants were also white people. Jim and Crow. even in Wallace's, and even when we see all the bodies, they're all white people. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I just don't know. Why Makes you wonder that what is. the pe- what's going on over there with the people who are making replicants. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, what does so that say about the producers of replicants? To try and sympathize with like the oppression of a person when it's told through the lens of a white man is just kind of difficult. Yeah, yeah. And like they, I don't know. They sort of like included it in there as like a bit of like setting, but they didn't explore it more in terms of like. Yeah. I mean, wait, which part? What do you mean? Like they sort of just like the prejudice, the prejudice. Yeah, it was a background. We saw it it on his apartment. We saw people maybe saying things to him when he was walking. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, we know from the, yeah, I guess because we know from the first one that that world has never been kind to the replicants. No. I mean, Uh, they're slaves. Yeah. But I guess it was interesting to me, like knowing from the beginning that he was a replicant. Yeah. It was more interesting to me than that joy would be there than if he were just a human, you know, needing joy for companion. Because like he, there were ways in which he reminded me of the not evil version of, uh, uh, Michael Fassbender from, alien uh, and alien and alien covenant. Yeah. Because it's like, it's this robot that's like, humans are interesting let, <laughs> let me try on this human thing for a second and so it's like yeah and so it's like he was the only part you I couldn't like mm-hmm. the the way that gosling played him was very much like i'm not sure if i should be having emotions or right. not you know what i mean yeah. and I, so like i i enjoyed the way that he played that and like yes joy is definitely just you know uh, a commodified yeah. sex thing a sex robot essentially like a dream because you can't argue with her right you could make her go away on a dime but it's interesting that like like childlike quality but eases into sexuality so easy but for him it's just like i don't know there's almost say that yeah he wants her to be well and it's almost like he doesn't like you can't even tell if he cares. <laughs> right. Because he's a fucking robot. It's right, a hologram a and a robot. Like, he reminded me of his character in Drive a lot. And then I, could see that. I wanted to just watch Drive yeah. at, <laughs> instead of this movie. And then I watched Drive and was like, that's a more interesting movie still. She, I would she agree. Also, yeah, Drive is definitely a more interesting movie. She also <laughs> reminded me of uh, Samantha from Her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see that completely, of course. Yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, it's an interesting enough concept to explore, and I don't really even mind Joy's character. It's just we should see male characters like that as well. So the problem with just only seeing all these Joys around is sure. just, unless you address it that the society is like that, and then I don't even know how Robin writes in her position. You need a I Jude Law Gigolo Joe somewhere? Yeah. I, just yes. yeah. <laughs> I want to see a woman freaking a man like a sex doll. Sorry. And then that we have that threesome. <laughs> I think I want to know how many people are going to know what the hell I'm talking about. All. Oh man! <laughs> uh. From AI, that's his. Oh, his oh, yeah. robot prostitute in AI is Gigolo Joe. That's so funny. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've seen AI. Uh, yeah, that movie creeps me out when I was younger. Yeah, that's, that little teddy bear. Yeah, where he like, puts a hand on it and he Whoa. says, "He will break." The, like, oh my god! The point. The point where he. <laughs> eats the food and then like his face melts <laughs> i was like horrified <laughs> just, just terrified erase that <laughs> oh god okay so there were some cool visuals in this oh movie my god. like when joy is so okay, many cool visuals i like the joy scene when she's reading the data with him and like he brings her out and then she's like in his face kind of and you yeah. see parts of her like that was done really interesting and i liked it the threesome scene i did not you didn't like that i mean it's a fine idea <laughs> i thought that the way that it was shot like i know oh. that it's cool. i know that it's shot. just sex appeal yeah, also but reminded it's, me of her that yeah. was the same okay. thing from her it was so. it was definitely a similar idea i'm also confused about the sex worker because like she was there to find out more information about him but she did she have to sleep with him or did she want to i mean she could have made money and she wanted to made one. i mean yeah, that's I fine like that's totally fine but like she didn't uh, uh, like her purpose was so besides that that i was weird sure. to also and well but i mean there's also the thing of like she wasn't just there for her because joy ostensibly hired her yeah. right she's yeah. like i brought her in because you were interested in her or whatever and i was also wondering i mean joy can't actually feel things right so like the sex probably doesn't do in anything theory, with joy, it's all but it might it might give her more of an emotional thing. I yeah. mean, it's kind of like Samantha uh, in that you're like, I don't know how much of this is a computer and how much. Of I guess like that was the sinking. Yeah, thing. with was joy, that, like, it was a little confusing if this was actually just all programmed. Right. Yeah. But like when she when when he or it's all the programmed, thing, but like is it still emotional at that point? Have they still or? made an emotional connection? Because yeah. I mean, we're supposed to feel sad when she's essentially erased. Sorry, Bob. Go when ahead, he bye. when he gives her the thing that allows her to like sync up with yeah, the world, like the world. yeah, I I got the impression that like she was having physical responses like she did if the rain like falls it. on there the rain it yeah. sends a yeah. thing to her computer chip that's like oh or that was her like first it has, time yeah. seeing rain I guess too yeah a computer with learning yeah I was wondering if she could feel anything it seemed like almost when she was able to sync with things she might have been able to sure but I don't know yeah I just like and then doesn't the woman, um, like Mackenzie Davis's character, like make a jab at Joy like the next day after? Like I've been inside. Oh, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They have like a weird passive aggressive like, moment. Dude, if you're gonna like, why do they have to be mean to each other? Too? Right. That, like, that was a weird moment. Well, that was weird. So I thought, I thought, I thought maybe it was because like was she had like females being. I thought maybe she had like caught her somehow doing the slip of the chip or whatever into his bag or his coat. 
I thought maybe she was a little on guard because she was doing something like that yeah. at the moment. Like but that was the only way I could it's explain like we it. Have women not interact at all basically in this whole movie or women in other roles. And then the one role when they do interact, they're like really mean to each other. Right. <laughs> it's like why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are so many three ways that have ended without cattiness at the end. <laughs> like usually just make breakfast and then like send each other on their way. <laughs> Well, you speak from experience, but I wish I, I, knew. Don't. No, I don't. I'm just saying, if I were writing a threesome scene, just, everyone would get along like gangbusters. I'm just like gangbusters. joshing you. Yeah. Like gangbusters. Oh, so you wanted to know what that interlinked and pale fire thing was from? Oh, um, yeah. So he holds up the Vladimir Novikov book and yeah, it's pale I fire. It. Okay, so. Um, the text of baseline that K must do cells interlinked within cells within one stem and dreadfully. Sorry, against the dark, a tall white fountain played is from Nabokov. Nabokov, yeah. Vladimir Pale Nabokov. Yep. So the interlinked, interlinked oh, is from that. Like ah. cells. cells, cells, yes, cells. It was very Kubrick to me. Yeah, yeah I saw that. There I was a lot. I thought of, that baseline was actually pretty interesting. There was a lot of like things in this movie that I'm like, oh, this is a nod to this director. This is a nod to this director. So like, apparently David Bowie was his first choice for I the did role read of that. Wallace. Huh? I did read that. He always wanted Gosling in his role, though. Like, Gosling was his one choice. I wonder if he watched Drive and was like, yes. <laughs> Just be Drive again. Just be stoic it for was two hours and drive 40 minutes. again, in some way. But without that satin scorpion I wanted coat. the soundtrack he had back. His own, he had his he own cool jacket. He did have a cool coat in this one. Yeah, I on. liked that coat. I would make... I look like a, a stand comfy for coat, that tell coat. you what. <laughs> like, that, uh, Why do you need a comfy coat if you're a goddamn robot? That's look, my question. He wants comfort. He wants, and he wants to look good, man. He, he wants doesn't. to look fucking cool. Okay, and I came to a conclusion also while watching this movie. Ryan Gosling's obviously very attractive, but he's almost boring in his attractiveness <laughs> to me at this point. Yeah. I'm like, I've just gotten so used to his kind of attractiveness. I'm like, it's not even that interesting anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. But Gosling wait. ain't doing it for me anymore. Going back to the visuals for a moment, Land. though. Uh, Roger Deakins, cinematographer. Yes. Everything that he does, he he can touch anything okay. and turn it to gold. The as cinematography far as I'm was amazing. Oh, I will stand up wait. for that. So he, he could he actually did, win the award for this. He and did I'd be the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. He so, did, he's done so much. Yeah. Okay. So oh. here's my thing about that: is like when we first see her touch Rain for the first time. That's a nod to Shawshank Redemption. Oh, it reminded me that. of V for Vendetta, too. Well, but it also, which was also a nod to Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, the Natalie Portman scene but it was, when she comes out in the rain. But it also felt like a nod to the first movie to me because yes. Tears, Tears in the in Rain. Tears in the Rain. Yeah. Ugh, which, fine. You hate that speech? <laughs> no, um, I'm just saying. That speech is like so wonderful. But like, like that's the you know iconic scene or one of the iconic yeah. scenes from that movie it's is like him the in, the in the rain. The and so like, I was which like, here's his Tears up. in the Rain moment. Mm. Fine. That um, whole moment was really interesting in the first movie because they were on such a deadline to finish it. He was going to about to be kicked off of that project and like uh, he came up with that speech and yeah. like... Um, yeah, he improv- improvised it, right? Yeah, he just like on the spot, just the tears in the rain thing, he said he came up with that for in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, well, it's brilliant. Roger Deakins, though, he did all the Coen Brothers movies, um, which is why I originally loved him and he did... He, he's just done so much he, he I think he won for Skyfall um, oh yeah Skyfall was really good yeah but he, he and he might have won more than once um, but man I mean the visuals every, every were time, obviously stunning yeah like both both the visuals in the gritty sad rainy LA and in the like weird sunburnt 
Las Vegas where it's like yeah like this golden red color I just I didn't need all the erotic statues in that area but <laughs> I mean it's Vegas I guess but once again <laughs> where are the dongs <laughs> like where true. are the dongs where my, are the- my question for Blade Runner is where are the dongs <laughs> like <laughs> Uh, it reminded me of Neverending Story when they had those two like breasted sphinxes. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah, just I thought can of see that, that with those statues. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, that scene where they're fighting and the uh, electronic Elvis is playing in the background. That was amazing. Yeah, I did like I liked, that. Okay, I really, I really liked, liked that him so much. In Harrison Ford scenes, once we finally yeah. get Harrison Ford on, and I also think Harrison Ford did a good job. He didn't just call it in. Yeah, um, I, I I was thinking about this. Like Harrison Ford has rebooted uh, Indiana Jones yeah. with a character who was his son. Mm-hmm. Star Wars with a character who was his son, <laughs> and now this with a character who was supposedly his son, but ended up not who being was his son. theoretically his son. Theoretically his son. So like. I don't know. It seems like a, con- a thing that keeps recurring in his career. I mean, he's talked about this. Like, they've asked him, like, if he plans to, re- you know, take advantage of all his old franchises. He said, like, hell yeah. What he's been doing. That's what yeah, I'm going to do. Yeah, he's like, mommy. <laughs> yeah, let's reboot <laughs> he the did this interview and with- regarding Henry. I was going to say, like, at this point, like, Selena. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Patriot Games. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess Air you Force could do. One. I guess you could do the Fugitive. You could do like I they did do that. a sequel to the Fugitive. Well, yeah, but I'm saying a, fu- a sequel where it's like his son yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is wrongfully accused, and then he Tommy and his Lee son Jones. have to go on the run. Yeah, from Tommy, Tommy Lee, Lee Jones. Jones again. Oh man, I didn't kill my sister. I don't care. <laughs> and then they both jump from yeah. the uh, the same drain as before. And then Tommy Lee Jones also jumps. <laughs> That's that's the twist in the new one is that yeah. Tommy Lee Jones also and jumps. then oh but the reveal okay so this will be directed by M Night Shyamalan whoa and he and he'll make Curve them all ball. be ghosts <laughs> it'll be the ghost fugitive man we're gonna hate that when it comes out we're gonna be ghost so mad about that we're gonna be so mad about that ending yep no um, don't do it. So anyway, yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to Roger Deakins there. Oh because yeah, no, we have. To I love everything that he touches. No, that was a good shout out because he is the saving grace in this movie. Basically, yeah. even he was the idea for the aesthetic of the Las Vegas, and then the director's like, "Let's add some erotic statues." <laughs> but and I liked the director's other works too. So Villeneuve, I loved Arrival. Villeneuve. I really, really loved Arrival. I like Sicario, and I just watched Sicario and the prisoners. other day to try and. Did you like, see Prisoners? Prisoners, it. you need no. to see Prisoners. A, oh wait, no, I was Prisoner. I loved the weird one is Enemy. Yeah, oh yeah, that was weird. Was that Dennis? Yeah, yeah that was his. Is. That was it's like his his, his break into big big time filming was. It, yeah, uh, it was enemies. A bit odd. It that spider at the end. Yeah, and like oh, Sicario and Arrival both have such interesting woman characters that I just was yeah. like. But Sicario is one of my least man. favorite. I feel like really. Yeah, I thought Emily Blunt's character was really good in that movie. I, I loved Arrival, loved Prisoners. I liked Arrival much more. Yeah, Arrival was just all the way just interesting to yeah. me. But I was I was I was more lukewarm on both Enemy and Sicario. Sicario is pretty. Yeah, but I mean the, the, the story fell apart a little for me. I feel like I think I could like say this director is really good at visual style, yeah. without a doubt. Like, I think I, he has weird ideas of what good female characters <laughs> are. Maybe at this point, but 
You wonder if they ever approached him for Star Wars, like before they did mm. Trevorrow. Yeah. Oh, are you happy that the third yes. director? Because uh, I know you were not happy about that. <laughs> delighted that Trevorrow's up. I thought delighted. of you and I was like, Jeff has to yeah. be happy about that one. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. Don't let the door hit you. Uh, who did they, have they replaced him yet? No, JJ. He's yeah. going back. JJ. Right. JJ. Anyway, we don't anyway. need to talk about Star Wars. I'm trying to think of what else I had to say about 2049. Mm. Um, I thought the, okay, so when we went and met with the Rebellion, like the lady in that scene was super interesting and I wanted more from her. I can't think of her name. out her I eye. Mean, come on, they only had her for like three lines. I was going to say, I don't, I don't know that Literally they even tried no to supply Literally no woman really have names. So like, <laughs> yeah. Also, Gosling's thing at the end where he's like feeling the snow was kind of oh, like I the tears in the rain. His ending was actually kind of beautiful. I thought that ending was nice. Um, it was very tears in the rain, like just without very speech, unfortunately. I'm going through my notes but, here. Um, yeah, and they did the tears in the rain music as obviously oh, yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, I thought the scene with the memory creator was actually pretty lovely. Yeah, that was really nice. That was one of my favorite scenes. Both it. visually and, and visually, the I way that it. she played it. Yeah. And yeah, she was she was interesting to me, but then she was kept in a cage <laughs> and I didn't see her again until the end. And it was more for Harrison than her. A, a bubble bum, woman. Bum, bum. I have a question. Go. So he finds the date carved into the tree yes. at De Bautista's farm. Yes. yes. Then... He recognizes the date as carved on the horse yes. that the memory creator. Right. It was implanted in mm-hmm. his memory or is like part of his implanted memory. Why did she implant that in his memory? That question is nowhere answered. I okay, mean, is it a fake out? Because like, they gave him. Because they were trying to fake it out with a male character, weren't they? Because that's why. There was a match, I guess, for that day with one male and one woman. Right. And so did they purposefully give it to one man that could be around that age? Well, and I assumed that she included the date just because, like, you know, she, like, is relying on her memory a little bit. And, like, she was talking about how, like, it's better. The more me- detail the memory has, the better. So she carved that date onto a horse. I don't think she carved it. I think probably I like thought it was someone just else there. carved yeah. it for like Harrison Ford or Rachel. Yeah, because they had all the, he had all the other animal carvings at his, Ooh, his Vegas spot. We right? also have to totally talk about oh. the Rachel cameo at the end. So I thought, I thought it was like something that he at some point had handed off to her. You know what I did like actually Bautista's moment in the beginning when he says I witnessed a miracle that was the closest I got to like Roy's feelings of talking about like Oh yeah. I don't yeah. know. I want more Batista. <laughs> also, you could hire Batista and other things. I'll watch it. Yeah. I guess I just you feel like the, the date thing is, is like a little half-baked. Yeah. Because it, it's the like... Plot's half-baked. It's, yeah. <laughs> like... I'd like why would they carve a date on the horse? Well, and why I guess would it's the, the day she date? was born, right? But why right. Would they I assumed it was carve, the date she was born. Why would they carve the date she was born on a horse? Because it was her story, and they gave yeah, her was like the her gift for her. value. But why would it also just be a coincidence that that same date was carved in that same way on a on a farm where they buried well, her? Well, that's mom. the farm. Right, that that's she the was farm from. that her mom had and the birth at. That's where Rachel was. And but like, why gave would? Birth to her. Why, so it was just a coincidence that. <laughs> no, I think it was a red herring for so, like if someone was to try and find I, them, I, it would lead them to Kay's character. Maybe I think I think it was written. I mean, I couldn't tell you exactly why it was written on the tree, but it seemed like. <laughs> 
just a commemorative thing. Yeah, I a commemorative thing, just like it was a commemorative thing on the horse. And I mean, so it was a coincidence. It's obviously like not. No, no, great. no, no, no. It's it's, it's not, not like it's not a coincidence because that's where she went to have the birth. That's where she was born. So that date is noteworthy there. As well as and on the horse, because saved, the horse is related to the birth, as well as the birthplace is related to the birth. They also saved her sock in that little box and stuff, too. I mean, they were obviously, like, just yeah. treasuring moments from when she was born. Right. Like, I guess I just don't... What parents I don't do, know. I guess. Like, I don't know. If I give a, a, a birthday present to my nephew, I don't carve the date of his birth <laughs> into the but fucking not, toy. It's like, Dad, but dude. You also, <laughs> but you also didn't carve you didn't any toys from scratch. <laughs> like... They but, just witnessed a miracle. They wanted to outline I've, it. I've seen birthdays on... Yeah, I have like, to. But like, like I don't pers- think that's a weird thing. To I've, like, I've seen things... Bobby, I have so many problems with this movie, and that's not one of <laughs> I've them. seen things personalized with birthdays. Is I'm just I'm saying, like, this is another example of how the storytelling of this movie doesn't hold oh, up to much scrutiny. I mean, yeah. Because, like... This is a whole thing where he like sees the date and he's like, this is a connection, but it's not a connection. Well, it's a connection as far as it leads hair, to a right? horse. And he's like, this is me. I am the baby because I have this memory. But like, why, why? It okay. was just a coincidence that she put no, that memory in his head. I think they probably wanted a man or like, so there was a girl and a boy associated with that number. I think they wanted like another person that someone, if they were to ever go looking for like, her like this child then maybe ryan gosling would be like the fake out for it i'm starting to understand what you're saying though bob you're saying not that it was a coincidence that the number was on the horse and the tree but you're a saying coincidence the, that his memory is the right, one that he was the one who happened to be there to oh, catch it oh yeah and that's it's also true. in the memory that's true but he is that's also a big coincidence. <laughs> like I, I i will go with you there but within the reality of the movie i was just taking that as a coincidence that like you know as the investigator, he's the one who's going to run across these things. No, it's I don't know. definitely a coincidence that he's the one that found that date. So I see that. It just seems very thin. It <laughs> seems like a thing that is trying to be like Deep? a mystery. And or then it's like, wait, but this doesn't, this wouldn't happen. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it might if he's the only investigator, like well, how, how many, how many the other, only investigator, how many though? other replicants did we see doing visits out well, to people's, did. It's not like we were getting a a complete worldview from his, like, we're in his life in this movie, so we might not see. I suppose. And maybe that's a failing of the movie, but, like, I got the impression that he was, like, you know, that that there weren't many of these robots left and that he was sort of the robot left to hunt down the other robots. Wallace has them. I mean, there's love, obviously, but, like... But I mean of the remaining Blade Runners. old old the robots. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, he, yeah, he even says that like when, you know how people get when they see an old barcode and stuff, they just all get weird. So right. I had to look into it. And so like, I didn't, I assumed that he was, he was like the lone robot hunter, but. <clears throat> poor, poor dude. <laughs> so sad. So I, I, I now see what you're saying, Bob. <clears throat> I did also, not understand what you were saying was a coincidence. Yeah, but I did. yeah, I I, I, I will go either, with where you're but going. But now I understand. <laughs> yeah. Also, why do all the kids that like are chasing them in that dream look like skinheads? Because I I was wondering about that. That's another that's <laughs> they another just element. They all looked really like white supremacist <laughs> creepy kids. It was like, that was another element kids, of. Did all the kids have shaved heads? Yeah, when they he went, did. No, yeah. no, no. But I mean, when he went no, to the orphanage the later, did, yeah. I think. And, the and they're all like making the electronics or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It was like another element of the the slavery right. thing, where it's like there's child labor. Like there was just a lot of stuff that was like 
like thrown in, like peppered through, but like not explored deeply. I don't know. But like how deep can you go? I don't know. It's Yeah, it did not bother me that like they did not go into all the particulars of the slave orphanage. Like I I just accepted I'm like, (laughs) this is a terrible slave orphanage. You know I want to hear more about that slave orphanage. That Uh, will have saved the movie for me. Like in my head like to me it's like if I, needed, I think you could wonder why they're skinheads, but also like... I just, it was just strange to <laughs> me. I, guess, I mean, that's just was a wondering thing. I mean, but also like, they're all, you know, orphan. Like there's probably lice in that place. Like oh, you want to keep their heads shaved. I guess, yeah. I guess the thing that I'm thinking is that like there was a lot of interesting stuff in this movie, but what they chose to focus on was the existential crisis of this One replicant. Sure. Thing. And so like, and like even at the end, like there's a fucking like replicant slave uprising. I would like, love that's to, more interesting. So much more yeah oh absolutely so like, if they make a sequel that will be interesting i, I think there was it was definitely a mistake to not get that revolution into in the movie until like into, two hours right, and 15 like, minutes not get it in way earlier in the movie yeah because that could have been a very interesting aspect like, to this whole world right this like, movie was so long but there are things they could have actually improved like added that would have been good there are a lot of things they could like well, robin wright's character could have been developed more in interesting ways right. like we could have like, heard about i don't know her position why it's like to be a woman in that position right. if she has any like weird sex toys around well and, <laughs> and prior and prior to that moment with the the revolutionaries like we have no indication that this world like this is a thing right we, we there, there's no indication that anybody is uh running a, a low-key rebellion or not a low-key rebellion but a uh an underground rebellion <laughs> or well it was a lot of replicants i mean i think sure but like, they were just all in hiding they were just all there yeah i think it's like a weird major fault of the movie to introduce that two hours and like 15 right. minutes in that like, like it seems like we a have thing, a rebellion we, we could have known that there was a guerrilla army or the guerrilla <laughs> right. army could have been helping him in yeah. some way i it was like it, she didn't have to come on to, like the i just feel like the sex worker could have been used better too like sure she could have just been like hey dude <laughs> like, there's an I uprising don't, i don't know yeah let me tell you about my uprising <laughs> and also like but what? he's a blade runner so i got that but she's a human right no she's not she's a replicant was she the, the sex prostitute worker? yeah or, excuse me sex worker yeah she's definitely a replicant She's part of the Replicant Rebellion. Yeah. I guess I got the impression I, that she I, was because not... Because her friends, the, like, two other people there that don't get names or anything, oh, yeah. but they were like, oh, he's don't you know runner. what he is? This is dangerous. We're going. Oh, yeah. Even though the one-eyed woman did say to go find out information about him because he's the one that killed Batista's character. That was our only indication that yeah. there was something happening because she sent them to talk to her right. then because of Batista's character. Hmm. So, but yeah, that was, that was, mm, we I, could have known a lot more about that early on. I would agree with that a hundred percent. I I would love that storyline to have been introduced that much earlier. That storyline is so much more interesting to me. That's why I wouldn't even mind a sequel to this movie because that I could watch. Right. But Although, with like a new director. There is a part point. of that would, that would feel derivative of the Hunger Games a little bit. I mean... But with all of these movies, like it's a Any little dystopia all dystopia film, but <laughs> yeah. like another dystopia film. Right, all these dystopias. There's always a resistance. There's the always or, uh, like one of the origins for a lot of these films sure. too. So I don't know if you're doing the Blade Runner sequels. Oh, and then we have the Rachel cameo at the end, which they brought Sean Young in for. Did they actually bring her in, or did yeah, they just CGI? she felt like it was just 
Well, they use her facial expressions and then try to CGI it a bit, but she felt like it was just weird and she wasn't like really utilized that much. But then she thought she should have been in the movie more as herself. And I mean, they do do this with women, like men could age and then the women have to be like holograms of their younger selves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I also don't think Rachel was supposed to age. So I don't know, honestly, if she was going to Also, like past, she was like, an invention that they created right in Tyrell, that moment. She was Yeah. So, like I thought, no, but like in this movie, like she was produced specifically to taunt. Right. Oh yeah. No, no, no. I'm just talking about the real Rachel. Like if we could have had an aged Rachel, like a Sean Young playing an aged Rachel, but I don't know if like Rachel could, but we, that question was never fully answered in the first one. So I guess they could have done it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. So they did bring her in. Her only thing about this movie was she said it was too long. (laughs) basically yeah sean young did yeah has she, she been had doing like a really <laughs> sad history after this movie yeah she like just had like a lot of like misogyny in the industry and stuff like that and then like would try she thought she was supposed to be the main character in like wall street so then oliver stone got mad at her and like charlie Fucking sheen wrote oliver like stone. that she was a cunt and put on her back and stuff and oh, then like dear. she there was like stalking allegations and then she had to go wait this is all st- wait from whom? Sean Young. Uh, no, no, no. Who but was she sta- who was who was no, stalking? She was stalking. Apparently, apparently oh. there was alleged that she was stalking this other man and his oh. fiance, and then hmm. she kind of went away after that, and then she had to go to rehab a few times. The only time, like, it's funny. the The first, my first experience of Sean Young was Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. And which, if you rewatch it, is transphobic. Right. And oh, like, super oh, transphobic. fuck. You can't. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's not good at all. Yep. Yeah, she was like, this was like her big break. I mean, Blade Runner was like, she was really young with it and they weren't even sure if she should be hired because she was pretty young and didn't have much experience. But Ridley Scott said she had like a Vivian Lee vibe, so hmm. he wanted to give her... An, I mean, I liked her a lot in the first one, but like, uh, never going to forget that hair, that, 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 that that weird bang haircut. (laughs) That is the thing that I remember, like, cause I remember passing the Blade Runner box at the video store back in the day all the time, like Mm -hmm. the VHS box and never getting it. But like her holding the cigarette with the bangs coming (sighs) down. I love it. uh, Yeah. That's like a very iconic visual to mm-hmm. me. When I rewatched like it uh, a couple weeks ago, I was like, Sean Young, like how 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 do I not know more about this I person? I know, me like, and Justin were talking about it too. So then I went into the long history yeah. of her and yeah. stuff and I was like, oh, this but is rough. 80s were kind of her height, right? Yeah. I mean, there were just like a lot. It seemed like there were like maybe just mishandlings in the industry and then she also was dealing with her own issues so it was just kind of sad yeah but yeah it seems like Harrison Ford could like be in any movie at any age and it's gonna (laughs) be okay but like all the women have to be not yeah like because Carrie Fisher got so much scrutiny for her look in Star Wars too and it's like Harrison Ford could just do what he wants I guess yeah (laughs) it's fucking bullshit so who do you think is culpable here do you think this is a a Dennis problem like I don't know the fact that he thought well I think maybe a big fault is we shouldn't just have white men only work on movies like it's him and like two men as writers like a female writer in there like if you want actually some like hot takes on women characters ask you, a woman do you also think that there was studio influence like was the you know like i think they thought 
thought they did a lot of a better job than they did. Like a lot of people, when I'm criticizing it, they just are like looking at me blank. Like they didn't get that at all. Yeah. And they're like, I don't see it as sexist because we're up in rights figure. And then this other figure is like fighting, but it's like, I don't know. It's just so weak and like, yeah. Like if you just throw that in there, it doesn't like solve the, the problem. It's like the three main things we have where if any emotional value are all delivered to us by white men, like still. So it just falls. Who, are, who may or may not be robots. Yeah. It's like Harrison <laughs> Ford's character, Ryan Gosling's character, and then Jared Leto's character. Woo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like, I'm just bored by it at this point. Like yeah. you can't even, it's hard to even make that movie interesting to me anymore. Which is sad. Like in 1982. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. At this point, like in a post Mad Max era, I expect more. Sure. Yeah. In Fair. like, yeah. So I don't know. Women are not things you could explore it. Oh, and also they like sex. So they would have their own sex things too. Mm hmm. <laughs> There would be some holograms for them, maybe. Yeah. Things. Uh, did you see any of the advertising? It's always funny to see because there was like a Blade Runner curse with some of the advertising because a lot of the businesses that had advertising, they would go under. Like Pan Am was right. notorious, wow. obviously. Atari. And Coca Cola, even though they're obviously still around, they had a really bad year in 85 because they like did the original Coke or they did a yeah. bad recipe. Yeah. So then they just kept saying, like, yeah, Atari is no, really notable. Yeah. yeah, I was noting. I was noting some of the <clears> new ones. Like I saw Atari still in this one, which I guess makes sense because it's still it's a in continue. this universe. Yeah. yeah, so like they made points to say like in this universe, Atari and <laughs> Atari has done great. Are still in, doing great. Yeah. Apple doesn't exist, That's and really these funny. things are doing good. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So I. Oh, and then like Love's character was cool, and I thought she could have been developed more. First off, Love terrible terrible name given mm-hmm. her any other name and it would have been a little bit better yeah and then the weird now that i know that she thought she was like trying to look asian i just get mad about it yeah, so, like, yeah that is it's some weird. ghost in the shell bullshit yeah like, like i don't know like what are you thinking and then but like also her dialogue was terrible like the bad dog moment and stuff like yeah i don't know whenever she would deliver some lines i was like what I'm Are the best one saying? was the one that stuck out. Oh, to me. I actually kind of like. I didn't. The I didn't hate it. One. I'm just saying that was the line came, that stuck out to me. It came right after the kiss to Gosling, though, which was a little weird. Mm-hmm. Like, but I guess that was just like her taking ownership over it in both ways. So I didn't actually mind all that. But he did. Jared Leto did say she was like the best angel of all of them. So I guess she has this. Maybe she also has a complex to prove herself in this replicant society could be i thought man i'm just going through my notes here there was the moment so there's the scene where it's her and robin wright in the police station yes um he's a good boy (laughs) but but after (laughs) after she kills robin wright and does like the eyeball thing to get robin wright's you know like Robin Wright, her security oh, so needs to read her eyeball. Oh, so that's how she finds out where his car is, right? Right, right. But just the indignity of that scene when she does the eyeball scan and then just drops Robin Wright's head <laughs> oh, yeah. against the desk. I did laugh out Someone loud else because I was just like, oh my God, like 
the just, timing just of for, it well the timing of it and just like the indignity to robin right yeah. i was like that's robin right yeah. <laughs> that's robin right ma'am but but like also just like the loudness of the thunk <laughs> and like just the perfunctoriness of it like i could not help but laugh in the theater at the way that they did that yeah i just got like so excited knowing robin Wright was gonna be in this too and after seeing her in wonder woman so i just was like so let down by like not many interactions with her yeah and her name being madam <laughs> madam i think madam. they had another name that they never they said they had a name on imdb but i watched this movie twice and did not they hear it say in it. the movie yeah if they say it they like whisper it yeah yeah like even when like the car is like letting him know that a call is coming in it's madam. Like, madam yeah and it's like what <laughs> yeah um did you like, like that joy named him joe I did not make that connection until I made it the second time I watched it. Yeah. I was like, wait, she names him after herself? Yeah. Because I thought kind her of, name. Yeah. Kind of, a little bit. That's kind of interesting. Joe and Joy. Yeah. I think that Getting may together. show the level of her death a bit. That's, that's the name that she yeah. knows. She's like, well, I could give him my Look, name. she is, at the end of the day, a computer program. Like, But we see some of these computers have feelings. Yeah, and that feeling is I love myself so much that I'll name I the person that I love after myself. <laughs> A lot of God complex <laughs> happening here. Uh, Should we? I was gonna say I don't yeah, know I that I have a whole lot more. I mean, we no, could go on I, for we, a while. Well, longer, sure. Yeah, but we might no, as well. There's no, I mean, but we're we're. No, I feel like we're coming we're up on two hours. Long and yeah, I don't. Apologies think. to Sarah Nepple. <laughs> yeah, Sarah. I, you know, if you needed a break at some point, I hope that you took you it for your sake. Yeah. Back. Your sport for sticking what, up. Has she said she only likes hour long podcasts or something? No. Well, she's just like, Our we know, we, yeah, we know that she's the dedicated listener who makes it to the end every time. <laughs> oh. And my Sorry, God. I ranted. That's not your fault. Well, I did um, give you the warning. I was like, it's going to be weird and rough with me. You could get like a dude that's going to love this movie and it that, will be a lot easier probably. Uh, but <laughs> but that, then it's just 40 listening to somebody just, gush for a minute. And yeah. That's, and that's no good. Yeah. Um, we want, we want to uh, tell us. Well, tell I'm us what happy you about. guys brought me back. We want a myriad of opinions yeah. here we on I'd See That. Back yeah, I've been before. wanting to come we back. We wanted to bring you back for Tulip Fever, Cousin Rachel. Yeah. We didn't get to do any of these. I know. Well, and then I asked you about Blade Runner and I put my ticket in the hat. Yep. Um, okay, so Jeff, yeah. final thoughts. Before I was devastated. Man, final thoughts. I'm going to say mixed feelings. I thought it was very pretty and having not been a huge fan of the first one, I had no fan devotion to the first one. And so when I went into this one, I see what you guys are saying about inconsistencies. I felt like I was watching or gathering more inconsistencies watching the first one. Mm. It's been a few years. I would need to go back to, to decide what those consistent inconsistencies are. But this time around, I thought that this was, you know, a very straightforward Hollywood version of like, it's, it's not maybe weird in the way that the original Blade Runner was, but it was still beautiful. It's not surreal and stuff. Yeah. yeah it's not as surreal there. And, and the mood is different in certain ways, I would say. Um, but I enjoyed Ryan Gosling. I was not bored. Um, I, and, uh, I, I will always cheer for Roger Deakins. So. <laughs> uh, 
I, I don't know if I would give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. I, give it an inanimate object. <laughs> like the woman. I, oh. <laughs> Sorry. I would, yeah. I'm like, not going to stop. Sorry. I would give it a, 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 a glass halfway, you know. <laughs> a medium glass. Yeah, I, like, I don't want to say half full because that sounds positive. So it's like. A glass that has half of its contents in it. And you're like. It's one of those movies where you leave and you're like, yep. Like that was, that was a, a that, movie. That was yeah. about what I expected. I and so like, I thought it was beautiful, but yeah, I think kind of like the first one also left me cold. Yeah. But also that's a cold universe. So I don't it's know. also like a dark and rainy universe. Yeah, yeah. They only filmed a night and rain. Yeah. Um, I think that I am on a similar vein in that. Um, yeah. Like, oh, fuck. We're gonna have to edit some of this part out. No, I lost my train of thought. Come back to your thought. What, what did you say? Like you said, I was saying that uh, it's it's it, a middle glass of water. Middle glass of water. <laughs> it left you a little cold. It left I had a, a thing that I was gonna like like that was I was gonna take that thing and then jump off of it. I was saying that I had no allegiance to the first one. Oh no, that's not. I it. Was that you saw it and you weren't surprised, and you were like, "Yeah." Look, we're not going to come back to oh, my thought. Um, yeah, I. It was about what I expected it to be. I oh, I didn't think that it needed to be made at all. No, yes. um, it was an unnecessary film. But I think it it did some of the same things as the original one did, just with like a slightly different aesthetic. Like it didn't have the cool noir um, yeah. aesthetic with like the fuzzy filter and all that stuff. It was sort of like First a one is yeah, just uh, more interesting in that way. A, a glossy version of this with the Hans Zimmer soundtrack. Right. Um, I I I did. I my ears did perk up when it was like, oh, that fucking robot had a baby. Yeah. Like that's that was a a a game changer a little bit <laughs> but like i think that what i said earlier that they brought up a lot of topics they didn't explore because they sort of muddle through this sort of mediocre plot um and i think that's sort of what it, that that's what the first one accomplished too um but i think that they were on I a similar know. wavelength to yeah me. yeah it was very style not a lot of substance and by by substance i mean like an interesting plot story yeah characters um so at the end of the day like i think it's a forgettable movie like it was i had good in the present but it doesn't hold up to scrutiny and so it's forgettable and i guess that might justify the dollar amount that it made um i think that the critical acclaim might be a little overrated if not for just the visuals yeah. which are pretty i thought that the world building was interesting but like incoherent like a little incomplete so i don't know kate final thoughts yeah i mean the critical acclaim has just left me a little confused Mm -hmm. or it's been one of those moments where i'm like oh there are not many women speaking here but there are two i mean women also can be sexist Mm -hmm. shocking but they are and there have been some (laughs) articles that you've been sharing that are like oh this does fit the same perspective i had yeah no i've i found i found my people that i was seen by afterwards Mm -hmm. uh, so but yeah so i mean i really liked the original i think the original the final cut really does still hold up as a a very interesting experience but you do have to be in a right mood to soak it in like you have to be in kind of a meditative want to experience something like it's not a straight story it's more of a feeling and 
like, I don't know, an experience. Uh, but I think that one cares a lot more about, like, the overall human experience. And this one is just, I think it tried to do an interesting story. And I think it just wasn't there. It just kind of fell very flat to me. Other than the visuals and, like, soaking in all the visuals, I just felt like it was just very... I don't know, even the second time when I wasn't mad, I just left the theater and I was like, well, it doesn't impact me, though. Yeah. Like, once my rage and stuff and disappointment wore off from something I really loved being, like, just kind of seeming like it really didn't care about my perspective or something, then it just became, like, meh to me. Like, Mm -hmm. other than the visuals being really interesting and cool, there's not much of a lasting impact to me. Like, there's no road body tears in the rain speech for me. Like, I don't know. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's way overhyped. And maybe I'll watch a sequel if it has more women characters that talk to each other. And if we have a rebellion by the one-eyed lady, I'm there. <laughs> it will be incredible does, if they make another sequel to this. It makes me a little tempted about this director, too, and I really liked him. But like the fact that he thinks this is a good take on femininity really, it was really a, does not do good it was, things for me. It was a lot of pressure. Like, I do think so, yeah, yeah. but you did it like yeah. Yeah, i'm not gonna feel bad for you you took it on it's an interesting like you know you just know that there were studio people involved with this too like you wonder if it's the sort of thing where like oh yeah i'll sign up for the giant movie and then how much control do you get at that yeah. point it just feels like most of the things i read about him since then talking about that i'm like oh you actually do feel like this so. <laughs> I still I like but I love Arrival. Arrival is a gorgeous, wonderful film. I guess I just keep like I agree with you, Bob. The thing that I kept wondering was like, why did this get made? Yeah. Because like it makes no sense from I mean, a financial standpoint, from Yeah, like from any it could have been good. I mean, there because there's like been Mad Max and stuff, which was weirdly, really, really good. Yeah. But then that made more sense to make money. Even this one right. doesn't make sense from a money standpoint. That's what I mean. Is like, fis- like fiscally, uh, uh, take a narratively, there's no reason to do it. Yeah. Uh, the, like, other than knowing that there was a concentrated fan base. But it's so concentrated, but, but, but it's like you super, said. Right, and so, like, I don't know what argument somebody would have made in a conference room. Gosling, I guess, Harrison Ford. I don't know. They were trying to get know. some of those, but, uh, yeah. But, I don't know. Like, it failed. Yeah. They, w- they would have become involved, like, later in the process. I, I want to know. Harrison wh- Ford was attached to it before the director. Interesting. But, like, when did the conversation about this movie start, I guess, is what I'm like, wondering. Like, who was, like, let's bring back Blade Runner? Yeah, like, who went, you know what we need to do? Revive Blade Runner. Because people <laughs> love that movie. And it's like, I don't know. Uh, I mean with people in film I think so sure so maybe a lot of the conversations they had felt like everyone loved it yeah but then the actual fan base is just pretty concentrated so you I want to like find the accountant who was looking at the numbers and going guys this is a mistake (laughs) so what do you so how do you think that this movie will fare like over the coming years. It could be a chemical like Blade Runner could. I kind of want us to all find problems with it later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I I think it'll take a long time for it to make its money back. Like, I think yeah. it might slowly break even and the 
the, the studio is going to realize, oh, it would be a mistake to try to do this again. Because not only did they do a sequel, but they put so much more money oh, into yeah. the sequel than the to, into the original. Because we're in the CGI era, obviously. Yeah. In the beginning, they had to make everything. And that mm-hmm. one even went way over budget, and they almost kicked him off the film. Right. <laughs> and it didn't make its money back until a while. Yeah. And so it's... it's it it I wonder... I wonder, I wonder who are the people who are that the people. Did this. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of thinking it could be good, but you know, this world has taught me. I assume don't have these expectations. <laughs> like I was expecting it to be good. You were the only person who was like, "Fuck that movie!" Like everyone else yeah. was sort of like my film but people were why, like, "Oh, that's but why they were all I men. felt like I was like, oh my god, why is no one seeing this blunt problem yeah. that I see?" And it just left me with so many weird feelings about the whole, I don't know, industry and film watching people. Yeah. Well, Kate. Need more women in movies. It was wonderful to have you. Uh, You are the host and co-creator of Babes Watch Buffy. I am. Uh, Where can people find Babes Watch Buffy? They can find Babes Watch Buffy on SoundCloud, on iTunes, and on, I don't know, all the things. Stitcher, you could tweet at me, and you could also email us at babeswatchbuffy at gmail.com. We are an intersectional feminist podcast on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I also do a Black Mirror podcast, but it has been off air for a very long time, but (laughs) I might get something (laughs) in a while. It's Black Mirror Library, uh, SoundCloud. Very cool. Um, And you can find our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud. That's right. Um, Everywhere. Also, hit us up on Facebook. We love your feedback. Also on on Twitter. I thought you were saying your personal Facebook song. Oh, no. Somebody Uh, up on his Facebook. No, don't do it. I'll reject you. (laughs) Um, Also on on our Twitter. Twitter, I I underscore C underscore underscore that. that. No apostrophe. No apostrophe. (laughs) Fuck. Uh, Cool. Uh, Thank you, everyone. Also, you can find Bobby at O Business on Twitter. I guess. And if you you really tried, you could find Jeff at Jeff D. George at Twitter. He does journalism shit. Yeah. This is is the other thing. (laughs) You can find me at Kate Brecht if you want to hear me ranting about things I don't like. I think you need to use Twitter more. Yeah, I don't use it much until I feel really strongly about something. I'm like, I'm going to tweet about this. Get on the (laughs) Twits. I use it for Babes Watch Buffy a lot more. So then it's hard when you manage multiple Twitter accounts. Do you got the tweet deck? What? Gotta get. We'll talk about it. Um, All right. Cool. Well, it's Friday. So we're going to Friday. It's time to go. It's been a long time. Time to watch Family Matters. Yeah. Woo. All right. Well, let's shake hands. Mad about you. Oh, shaking hands. Mad about you, baby. I feel like my hands. It's okay. Clammy hands are what we, you know. That's why we're here. That's why we record this podcast. (laughs) Why did I say that? We devour clammy hands. We Uh, do a podcast so we could touch clammy hands. (laughs) That's why people do podcasts. This is why. Uh, Okay. Well, with that, thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.